treaty violations as this broadcast is intended for mature audiences. In the following podcast, there will be thoughts and opinions expressed that in no way reflect your federation, this station, website, or affiliated partners. Who is this? How dare you? Who I am is not important. Listen to discretion is Klingon best. Space. The final frontier. These are the voyages of Starship Trippers. Her encore mission to explore strange new worlds. To seek out new content and new stuff. To follow the girl word, no podcast. It's got four. Hello and welcome to episode 258 of Tribbles and Ecstasy. I'm your host, Midnight Shadow. And joining me in the studio today, we have got... Hi everybody, it's Sun. <laughs> and we're early! We're early? And late. I was to say, we're somewhere in the middle, maybe. Hey guys, Timberwolf here. So, to begin with, we're going to kick off with some Star Trek news. Star Trek News. To begin with, from TrekCore.com, they have blogged about the fact that some of the Trek stars have actually been nominated for some Daytime Emmy Awards. So, um, yeah, that includes Nichelle Nichols. Um, she's been tapped for Outstanding Guest Performer in a Drama Series. Um, for her September appearance as Lucinda Winters on CBS's The Young and the Restless. Um, her guest spot coincided with the 11,000th aired episode of the series. Now, that's God, a lot, that's of, a lot of soap. <laughs> oh, yes. And there's also Armin Shimmerman um, from Deep Space Nine. Um, he was noted for his guest role as Max in the last spring's digital daytime drama series, Red Bird. That was shot on location in Colorado and Kansas. Uh, the web series is a tale centered around a mother seeking revenge against a man who killed her son in 1860s. Um, then you've also got Whoopi Goldberg. Um, she was nominated along with her View co-host, Joy Bear, Candice Cameron Burr, Raven Seymour, Paula Farris, Sarah Haynes, or Sarah Hayes, um, Jed Lyer, Billa, and Sonny Hostin. 
as the group for the Outstanding Entertainment Talk Show host category. So, just, um, just, 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 just a moment, just a moment of correction from the names that I do know. <laughs> I don't know any of them, so I please know, do. Uh, Joy Behar, that's her last name, and uh, Raven Simone. Thank you very much. So, um, the winners of the 44th Daytime Emmy Awards will be named at the awards ceremony on Sunday, April 30th. And um, that will be, the nominees can all be viewed on their website. Um, so, we'll have a link to the Trekcore article and you can have a look at all the images and links from there. So, uh, congratulations to those actors. Now, um, one of the people in Star Trek Discovery, um, Anthony Rapp, he's playing the space fungus expert, Lieutenant St- is it Stamets? So wait, he's playing a space mycologist. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think I they've, they've called it something else. Space fungus. <laughs> yeah, they they did call it something else when they announced it. I can't think what they called it now. Oh god! <laughs> I'm glad I came along, Captain. I am an expert at space fungus. Okay, well the planet doesn't have a fungus. Oh, okay. Well, I'll just sit in the back then. Now, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's no different. It's no different than than like episode what episode two of. Either episode one or two of Toss, and and there is Sulu in the biology lab being a botanist, and then he winds up on the bridge. Yeah, it's like there was nothing to do down there, so you know what? I'm gonna join you guys. Not to mention the fact that Rand was his personal yeoman. Yeah. So, um, TrekCore.com also when highlighted a section um, from an interview of Metro Weekly where they interviewed Anthony Rapp. And one of the questions that they asked him was, how does it feel from a perspective of a gay man to be playing the first ongoing gay character in Star Trek, Dulu's recent revelation in the films notwithstanding? So Anthony Rapp um, replied, I'm honoured. I'm also honoured to be part of a piece of work that's part of the cultural pantheon. Pantheon? Pantheon. Pantheon, yeah. Um, it is kind of crazy that I get to be part of something that means so much to so many people. It meant a lot to me too. I'm thrilled and honoured to be the vehicle for this aspect of the story that's being told. So, um, so yeah, it's um, yeah, it's to be honest, I knew he was going to be playing a gay character, but I personally didn't know he was gay. But I must admit, when it comes to actors personal lives i don't really look into that <laughs> that much um, well my, my only question for this is what does it add to the story if mm. if we're gonna make a big po- point about it what does it add to the story because well, we can I, we can discuss it and we can have it in star trek because it's been in star trek before i mean hell we had in ds9 jad zia was making out with another woman and it was full on into that so it's like it's been yeah. there before 
sort of because of course, but it wasn't a plot thing it wasn't they're saying okay well it's recurring actually okay. that was a plot thing because that was the whole point of well, the mirror universe that but the it chicks wasn't were more involved with the chicks than they were the, the guys and but they're with talking the guys with just because it was broken no I, I think um timberwolf's uh, talking about rejoined when yeah. he's his past lover um, yeah, it's, it's, Curzon's, it's, it's Curzon's lover, and she still has feelings for him as Jadzia because of Curzon. But the thing still, is, it was, they're talking about something that's going to be episode to episode. So it's going to be yeah. something from first episode to last episode, you see it every episode. So my question is, what does that add to the story? Is it right. critical to the story? And if it's not, does it have to be out there for any other reason than, okay – we see him because okay. I understand I, it. I understand if it's if it's a part of the story plot and it's critical to the story. You have to tell the story by bringing this out. But it kind of goes to what happened in Star Trek Beyond. Even George Takei was like, "You really didn't have to do that." And there wasn't even a reference to it. It was just, "Oh, he hugged another guy that he's in a relationship with. They have a kid." It was all of four seconds on the screen. Okay. Like, okay. is, is it going to be those kind of moments, or is it going to be the only way to save the starship for three episodes is he has to get it on with another guy? Okay, well, to begin with, previously in Star Trek, the fact of being gay has always been surrounded with things like, one, it's alien, two, um, it's to do with, like, past lives, it's mirror universe, like, it's the bad side of things. It's never been something that just is, and which Star Trek Beyond was the first to really do that. Um, and what they have said, and when it comes to his character being gay, is that it's not going to be one of these big things, but of course it's one of these things that if it just happens, people are going to do. And it, So it's just been announced, there's a gay character. So it comes, there's a relationship, whether it's a big or, part, or small part of, the storyline in amongst all the other well, relationships. The only reason then, I say that is they're making a big deal about it. If it's just something where, okay, well, his bunkmate is also the person he's in a relationship with, and you just happen to see it, oh, okay, cool. Like that's never yeah. really mattered. We've had pro, we've had progenitor in Enterprise where you know you had a couple, but in order for them to mate, they had to have this third person in there for them to mate or with Andorians, there's four genders or, I mean, hell, they've even shown it in a couple of episodes where it's just human and human. It, it was kind of just like in the background, like, Oh, mirror universe. Oh, it, it's whatever happens on Ryza stays on Ryza kind of deal. It really wasn't that big of a deal. And it's been brought up as a huge deal on the internet. Like, Oh my God, he's a gay character. Well, if it's just him and his bunk mate and they're just like, Hey, you want to go take a shower? That's just what he does. That's you know that's a normal thing for Star Trek. They don't care. I mean, hell, they don't care that Captain Picard's bald. They've moved past caring about all of that. So if it's just something that's recurring, like oh, okay, cool. But I think it's more of the hype they're putting in the news. Like oh my god, it's he's exclusively gay, and oh that it's not needed. I mean he you know he can go and do whatever he wants. Let's, you know, it's not a big deal. Cool, we see it on screen. I'm, I'm more power to it. Let's see it on screen, so it, you know, it's thought of as normal. But let's not make a huge deal about it in the news when it ends up being, oh, okay, that, that's, uh, that's who he's married to. Okay, cool. Yeah, and um, things. I agree. It shouldn't be a big thing, and 
the fact that even today that it is. Now, whether or not it is just because for the first time in Star Trek, it is something where someone is get they are basically going to be openly gay. It's not something like in Star Trek Beyond where it's just that small bit that's off screen. It's some part of the character's identity. Now, how big a part that takes. Now, ideally, it shouldn't be a big part. But and as with most of Star Trek, there's lots of relationships with aliens that they meet along the way that something may actually happen. Who knows? And I think that should be sort of just a part of the story the same way any heterosexual um, relationship could be. And, um, and I think in a way it's good because it, this is where things should have been a long time ago. And the thing is, unfortunately, even today, too many people's attitudes are sort of like, no. And it's just like, seriously, why, how does it matter? And, Hell, it hasn't mattered who you slept with in Star Trek since the 60s. I mean, in Star (laughs) Trek itself, I mean, you know, look at Kirk. Kirk went after every single woman in the sun. It didn't matter what color they were. It didn't matter. Oh, well, she's got like three of one thing and a half of another. All right, let me tap that real quick and then punch her out, and then I can go save the starship. Like, the whole sexuality thing really hasn't mattered. It's been a a backseat for everybody. The most openly sexual thing was Kirk and Riker. They'd tap anything. I'm I'm pretty sure you could put a bikini on a console and both of them would hit on it. So, <laughs> you know, it's it's something regardless of the, the whole gender or the relationship, it hasn't really been a big thing. And if they're just going, hey, we're just going to make for sure that y'all know this character's gay. He's got, you know, he's got the person that he is in love with, whether it's a lover, whether he's married to it, married to him, or it's another species, whatever the case may be, it's there. Like, I have no problem with that. Cause it's like, cool. We, we do all that all the time. It's Star Trek. You're open to everything, but it's over central sense. I can't words today. Um, <laughs> over dramatic media, like oh my god there's a there's a big difference there and that's what i think a lot of the fans are going off of is because there's there's such a big deal made in all the media outlets they're either panicking or they're cheering with flags or whatever the case may be and it's probably going to be something so innocuous it just happens in the background and it's like oh cool i think that's what it's going to end up being i really do yeah me too and in a way that's how it should be but i think when it comes to star trek due to the fact that in many ways homosexuality has been sort of hidden in the background or behind sort of aliens or strange circumstances or the mirror universe um i think it's being made into a big thing because this is the first time where it hasn't and for a show that has been a driving force for and um, putting forward sort of like things with race and all sorts of stuff. In some respects, it is a big thing, and I can see why it's being highlighted. Because for a show that is so pro so many things and has helped push um, society forward in so many respects, it's just in some ways, I think this is 
probably been lacking from the franchise for quite a while, which is why I like the fact that it's more well out in the open because especially in this day and age, it is normal. It's not something people should be ashamed of. And I like the fact that the movies and the TV series are growing up with, well, the way the rest of society has, or, well, most of society. Um, so I, I do think it's good, and I can see why it's being highlighted, even though to me, in many ways it shouldn't be something that needed to be highlighted. But I can see why it has, if that all makes sense. Yeah. I just, I'm hoping they're not doing anything on the consoles on the bridge. Because, you know, there are ensigns that have to clean that up. And they already had to deal with a young Cadet Kirk probably running around the ship. And they tried to get him off because he was leaving too many stains. We don't need additional stains. Like, Kirk made it bad enough. That's why Spock kept shaking his head and he was just going, calling Ensign Ricky. Are, 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 are you both done now? Have you got something to add? Yes. I was just waiting for the men to finish. <laughs> Pulls out SJW soapbox. Oh, God. Sorry. 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 No, but no. Uh, yes, I, I agree with both of you on, on different levels. What you have here is both what you were trying to say, Timberwolf. The sensationalism. That's of, what it was. Of... Oh, it's a gay character. It's a gay character. Yes, the media is going to hype the shit out of that. And okay, that's fine. At the same time, you have this section of the community who has looked at Star Trek for decades, like Midnight said, and every time they see a gay character, it's a foreign concept, it's alien, it's not normal, it's unnatural. Or for people like me in the trans community, they see... Uh, episodes of The Next Generation where this wholly ungendered alien character wants to be a gender and it's considered a moral wrong and needs to be fixed. And there's there, there has been representation in the Trek community. It's just been very weirdly opposed to where it should be. Like, for all intents and purposes, we know fully that a person can be transgender in Star Trek. Why? Because of the episode Profit and Lace. And no matter what you think of the DS9 episode Profit and Lace, we know flat out that Quark goes from being male Quark to being female Lumba in the matter of a day and is fully female by the end of that day. Yep, I remember that episode. So you have these issues being represented. They're just written in the worst way possible. And it's and it happens again and again. So that's yeah, you have the you have the people who are always gonna go, Ew, that shouldn't be in this, that, or the other, because I'm not that way. Well, okay, good for you. There are people who are. You can sit down and shut up and not watch that episode if you don't want to. And then there's the group who is in the you know in those various minority communities who looks at it and goes, "God, I hope they don't ruin this. Please, for the love of God, don't ruin this." And that's a legitimate concern as well. And then you have the other side where they go, where, where you know where you have people in the media go, "Look, look, 
we're we're actually trying to be diverse. Look, we're adding a gay character, and that's where the biggest hype is. Look, we're adding a gay character. We we want to be as inclusive in, as as possible. Please don't hate us, you know. And then you have the other side of the in community itself going. Look, we finally have representation. This is going to be a great thing. So it, it's 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 a multifaceted debate, and. <laughs> It can be screwed up on so many levels, but at the same time, you have to realize it's never existed in a way it should have and should have always existed. And until that actually starts happening, yeah, stuff like this will be sensationalized. And it will continue to be sensationalized until it becomes just a normal part of everyday life. So, son, I'm going to ask you this. Let's say season one happens and, you know, it's not something that's out there completely. It's just something it's it's shown. Let's say these two characters live together and in the same quarters and, you know, like they highlight romantic dates or, you know, something along those lines. But they're highlighting it in every episode. They make it normal for the, the first season. It's something you see. You know, even if it's in the background, maybe just a five-second background, or maybe in one episode it's ten minutes where they're discussing the mission and all that kind of stuff. First, the first season, it is a part of it fully. You notice it; it's completely there. Do you think by season two they will sensationalize it as much in the media, or it be like, okay, cool, second season, it's still ha- it's still there, blase kind of deal. Well, it's it's not even that. It's the fact that, hey, we're announcing this thing. That's the sensationalism. That's the biggest sensationalism at period right now is, is the fact that, oh, look, this character is happening. It, at this point, we don't know what the character writing is. For all we know, you know, like the both of you said, it could be the first officer, who is supposed to be the focus of this thing, is talking to one of their subordinates who is having an issue, and that issue is relationship-wise with another male crew member. That may be the whole extent of the that may be the whole extent of the oh, this character is gay thing. For, like, the entire run of the entire show. But the fact that it happens is this thing that that people have to, to lift up. Whether they want to promote diversity or promote the fact that they, that, that, that they are included in something. Or for the detractors to hold up as an example of this is why such and such is bad. It's, it, it's, it's something that is... It is easily simplified, but is not so simple once you really look at it. I mean, it's it's like a lot of things we we hear on the show. We 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 go over go over a lot of stuff, and we oversimplify things constantly. You know, we we talk about Star Trek Online constantly, and we go, "Oh, why can't the devs do this? And why can't the devs do that?" And you know, we talk about it. And we oversimplify it, and the devs go, that's not fair, you know we can't just do that. And, and that's, that's kind of the whole point of this, conver- this, this conversation happening right now. You know, yes, there's the sensationalism 
from the corporation going, hey, we're being diverse. There's the sensationalism from the LGBT community going, hey, we're being represented. And then there are the detractors who go, look, this thing has LGBT in it. We should boycott. And then there are the people in the LGBT community who go, oh, God, please, please don't ruin this. Please, for the love of God, don't ruin this. I have I have seen it ruined so many times, I may not even watch it because I, I'm afraid of it being ruined. And, you know, for the most part, three of the sides have a, have a legitimate point. You know, we, we, we've had Trek episodes where the, the issue of gay was kind of addressed. You know, with with the with the Riker episode in TNG, it's a, hey, this is a completely genderless character that wants to be a gender. And he was falling in love with a completely genderless alien character who then said they wanted to be female. For all we know, that character could have turned around in the script and said, we want to be male. Would Riker's feelings have changed? I don't know. He was feeling feelings for this character, and that character was genderless. Okay, that was weird. Then we get into episodes where, you, you know, you you have the corporation at the time restricting stuff. Like, um... I can't remember if it was the Guinan and Lal episode uh, or if it was another episode, but you have Whoopi Goldberg going, when a person loves another person. And, you know, that was really, really edging on, you know, corporate beliefs at the time because, you know, that, you know, the script said, uh, you know, the, the 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 corporate approved script was when when a when a man loves a woman, and Whoopi Goldberg went flat out. I'm not saying that. I'm going to say when a person loves another person. And we we've had these we've had these spats back and forth of should we start to should we, should we include because the majority of people don't accept, and then now we're at a point where it's. It's it's a tipping point, essentially. You know, should we include it or should we not include it? Should we say it's there or should we not say it's there? And yeah, there is the sensationalism and there has to be the sensationalism until a lot of people feel it's normal. I mean, <laughs> you know, t not trying to equate... <laughs> God, I'm going to I'm going to be lynched by the LGBT community for this. But like back in the Puritan days, when oh you God. had people, when you had people, when you had people who were actually practicing science, guess what? The Christian community goes, "Let's burn these people at the stake because they're freaking witches." Well, okay, that went on and on and on until. The practice of, hey, I am testing actual science became mainstream. And guess what? Everybody went, okay, well, it's backed by fact. I guess it's just a part of our society now, and they're not really witches and warlocks. I mean, you know, going back even further, Chinese gunpowder. Gunpowder was this amazing thing that, you know, even 
in Europe was considered to be this devil's magic kind of thing until it became normalized. And then guess what? War happened and people started using that gunpowder for bullets. It's just this thing that it is sensationalized until it becomes part of the culture at large. And then when it does, nobody really cares anymore because it's normal. And that, well, that's why I was asking because they've been do, they've done a lot of that in the media now with sensationalizing it. Um, for example, they came out with Beauty and the Beast, and you know, okay, now Lafoe is just openly gay, and he has his own exclusive moment. And from what I understand, it's this little tiny little segment that you notice, and it's like, oh, okay. And I mean, hell, you could kind of tell there was some there was something different about him when you were watching the cartoon. So it's kind of like, oh, there was something that explains. very homoerotic about the little dude following Gaston everywhere and being yeah. just a complete nutter suck up. Yes, I no, yes. So, so it was like that. And then you you had um, Power Rangers. Now I haven't gotten to see it yet. I'm going to probably see it next week. But they even say that one of the Power Rangers is gay, and I'm like, okay, Billy the Blue Ranger. He came out as gay after the show. So, okay. Oh, God. I saw some promo shots of that myself, and I went, God, somebody had to have mended a lot of bridges for there to be a picture of the remaining original cast with David Yost there because they harassed him to no end on the show while the show was filming because he was gay. Yeah. And then now, you know, you have the – okay. Okay, cool. But it's, but it's always been it's been sensationalized for a few things now. Now it's discovery, and that's why I'm asking. Like, by first off, by the time we actually see the show, God knows. I mean, it could be the end of this year. It could be three years from now. They keep postponing the damn thing. Um, but that's what I was just saying. Like season two, considering they're doing it with every project out here. Do you think by the end, by the time season two does eventually start, I'm guessing 2025 at this point. Um, will it be something that it's just we can finally say that with it being shown not just in Star Trek and being fully shown off in Star Trek as accepted, but now in other projects, do you think it'll be as sensationalized? Yes. Because it's not it's not considered it's not considered at large enough to be just a thing that happens. So you, I mean, so yeah, yeah, it's being put in Star Trek, and right now the big news is, oh, it's a gay character, and that gay character is in Star Trek. Okay. Yeah, sure. There's going to be sensationalism if they royally screw it up, too. But at this that point, is true. the sensationalism for it in Trek is now here, and it will die once the show hits, because we have already known it. Okay. But it's going to happen for almost every little thing when it happens because it's new and it's different and it's I'm just going to say it it's alien to this concept of normalcy normalcy that we have right now that that all relationships in Hollywood are heterosexual relationships and yeah these you know these characters have been here and there and everywhere for for years and you've i mean you've had you've had some really cringy shit out of hollywood like the fact that the second ace ventura movie was about transgender people and it was ha ha it's a transgender person and you've had some royal screw ups with all of that but at the same time it's just it's 
it's still not something that is considered culturally normal. Okay. I mean, <laughs> like going back to going back to the Toss era when you still had Desilu Studios, the 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 Lucille Ball show, uh, and I love Lucy. Lucy and Desi slept in separate beds for several of the seasons, if not all of them, on the show, because it was not accepted that they should be sharing a bed on TV because it wasn't quote unquote normal. At the time. And slowly over the years, pushing the beds together has become this normalized thing. It's, it's just, it's going to continue happening. There's no way around it. And until it becomes something that just quietly starts dying off from media outlets, yeah, it's going to continue. Well, definitely be interesting to see where things are taken in a few months when it gets released. If they don't push it back again. I don't think they will. Okay. So, Sunseal, you had some information regarding Tim Russ. Yeah, so, um, does anybody here play Star Trek, uh, does, well, I say Star Trek Online. Yeah, does anybody here play Star Trek Online? Um, I think I've heard of that game. Um, isn't it that one game on PC might be on consoles? Is it that, is yeah, it that you, one? You know that character in that game, that uh, that Tuvok character? I think I've heard of him. Does he also play on iCarly? Uh, maybe. I really haven't seen that show, so... <laughs> <laughs> um, the actor's name is Tim Russ, and Tim Russ has been hopping around doing a whole bunch of stuff lately. Um... And although I, <laughs> well, let me just come out and say it. Tim Russ is acting a fool in the Elder Scrolls Online. And I'm just going to say that right now. Right now in the Elder Scrolls Online, they are celebrating a an, uh, an in-game holiday event called the Jester's Festival. Because guess what's coming up, guys? A- April, April the 1st is what? Oh, God. That, that's when we go live with the next live show. so yeah so yeah tim russ is playing one of one of three main characters for this holiday event in elder scrolls online and i say this without without honestly knowing if there's an official confirmation that it is him but as a person who cannot unhear Admiral Tanay in just about everything she plays in Star Trek Online, I hear his voice and I sit there and go, I know who that is. Why do I know that name? God, I know I know that name. Who is it? And then it dawned on me. That's Tim Russ playing the Argonian. He sounds lizardy, yes, but his voice is still unique enough that I know it's him. And again, I have no official confirmation that it is him, but Tim Russ is listed in Elder Scrolls Online's credits as additional voices. And, let's be honest, he's also been part of Bethesda's circle of voice actors for a while, considering he's also uh, Lancer Captain Kells in (laughs) Fallout 4. He's like the black dude on the airship when you get on the Brotherhood airship in Fallout 4. So it's it's like, yeah, he's he's been there at the Bethesda place before, so it wouldn't surprise me if he was voice acting. I just stumbled upon this voice while playing Elder Scrolls Online and went, I know that I know that voice. That's 
that's Tim Russ, isn't it? So I thought I'd have to share and say, if anybody is playing Elder Scrolls Online right now, hey, go 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 play the the holiday event and listen to Tim Russ literally act like a fool. Because he is a jester king. Okay. So, now time to head over to the main viewer. Main viewer. Okay, so with a lot of people debating certain people being in the new Star Trek Discovery, um, mainly someone from The Walking Dead, Sonika Martin Green, um, there's recently a photo published with the whole group of people from Star Trek Discovery at Chris Obie's. Um, it's from his personal um, Instagram feed, this was. And um, they're celebrating the birthday of James Frain, who plays Sarek. So um, in the photo, you see um, Danica Martin-Green, um, plus her husband, um, I think he's in there as well. Then you've got Michelle Yeoh, who's playing Captain um, Giorgio. Probably said that wrong. Um, Chris Obie, who of course is one of the Klingons. Doug Jones, that's Lieutenant Suru. Saru. I've always got a good thing of butchering names, don't I? Um, Jay. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> that was the most racist oriental naming convention I've ever heard before. <laughs> it's like Lieutenant Suru. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> then there's Jason Isaacs, who's playing Captain Lorca, and Shadzad Latif, who's one of the other Klingon officers. So, um, so yeah, um, a lot of people, have, of course, been saying, "Oh, she can't do it, and won't be able to manage doing The Walking Dead as well as." Um, Star Trek Discovery, well, she's obviously there with the cast, and of course they're all together because they're, at the moment, still shooting. So um, they started um, doing the shoots, was it last month? So um, yeah, things are obviously still going. Um, the link to the article will of course be in our show notes, and that came from a blog from trekcore.com. And, of course, the link to Chris Obie's um, Instagram feed as well um, will, of course, be in there too. Um, although that is marked as private, so um, you won't be able to see that um, just by clicking on the link. So. Okay, so time to move on to the next segment. So let's get to Star Trek Online. Anyone who was monitoring the social networks for um, Star Trek Online will have noticed that on March 21st, 
um, which was Wednesday, wasn't it? No, Tuesday. Mm -hmm. Sorry. Yeah, so Tuesday, March 21st, um, Star Trek Online announced for all three platforms, so that's Xbox um, One, that's PlayStation 4, and the PC. They're giving 50% off in the C-Store for the Tier 6 Andromeda ship. Now, this, from what I've been told, um, is actually a nod to... Um, the release of Mass Effect Andromeda. So um, it was a 24-hour promotion. Um, so did any of you guys get that at all, or do you already have it? Or apparently, like a little blurb that was released was was littered, like stupidly, like with with just a whole bunch of Mass Effect nods and hints the whole time. Like the time has come to uh, the time to explore has come, and we've calibrated the sea store, and and just like I don't know, like in even the last sentences, this might be your favorite ship in the galaxy. So it's like okay, this is like Mass Effect stuff, and I didn't even catch it in the blurb because I wasn't even paying attention. I was going, what the hell are they doing selling a single ship at fifty percent off for twenty four hours? <laughs> That was the only thing going through my head until somebody in our chat goes, it's Mass Effect Andromeda's being released today, and I go, oh, uh, okay. <laughs> you know, I'm still, I, hearing that, I, I still, like, lift my shoulders and just shrug and go, I don't, I don't get it, but okay. There's a nice little nod to them. Um, I, they've yeah, done the I same thing so. before they did with Star Wars. Um, we had the little green alien um not green alien green um is it frankie uh what at the christmas event there's of course the release of star trek um star wars um a few years back and you had to go there to get your um glow in the dark batlets and lurpers and stuff uh, oh the 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 energy weapons yeah christmas. they they created um a sort of Yoda type um, character that you had to NPC character that you had to go to to uh, collect it. Um, Try to think, was it a strange Ferengi or I can't I guess remember? Now. That was probably the first Christmas event, which I was not around for. Right. Okay. Um, yeah, Alex in chat has actually said um, little green Ferengi gave them away. That's it. And yeah, it was the first laser lurper and laser batleth, because of course that's where it came from. Because that was, of course, a little nod to Star Wars coming out again um, a few years back. So it's not the first time they've done little thing, and of course, it's the only thing probably in game they could probably do. Not having played the game, I don't know for sure, but given that we have a ship with the name Andromeda in it. Um, yeah, I think it was a nice little thing for people who were watching. So it, it does start to make sense now, sort of. Um, one, okay, I understand the naming convention because the Enterprise was, you know, the the, the D itself is a galaxy class vessel, so naturally the tier six version would be named after a galaxy, namely our closest neighbor. Andromeda. Okay, cool. 
Well, it's not just that, of course. Well, well, no, here's here's me me laying out the crossovers, the similarities between the two. In, In Mass Effect, the biggest thing you're doing with your ships all the time is exploring. And what has the Galaxy class always been about? It's been this big, huge exploration ship, even though it is this hulking cruiser. It's this ship that is that is missioned and and tasked with exploration. So, okay, I got it. It makes sense now. I just I didn't catch it as immediately as other people did. Just quickly going back to the naming of the ship, I also do wonder whether or not, as well as being the nearest galaxy, whether Andromeda was actually chosen due to the fact that Gene Roddenberry's next um, project after Star Trek. Um, was, of course, um, Andromeda itself. So I wonder if that also had a, a reason to name the ship class when it came in, to it in-game as well. I don't know, although I do have to, I do have to say I, I, I still wish for a Gary 7 thing. Like, of, of all the stuff, of all the stuff that is and ever and will always be Trek, we've had temporal agents and all this kind of stuff where's the storyline that involves gary seven and the race that is behind gary seven being gary seven well as with a lot of plot lines in star trek that never got finished up the world mm-hmm. may never know well i was gonna say there's still a chance that I can make it in game because you never know what they're going to link in because star trek online have been pretty good with finishing up all sorts of sort of stray storylines from any of the Star Trek series. So speaking of speaking of the events and the aliens behind Gary Seven, I just got through watching an episode of Babylon Five where it's <laughs> one of the races in Babylon Five is like this super alien secret alien race. And they abducted a human to be like their their investigator person. And, um, wow, come to find out that investigator person turned out to be Jack the Ripper. (laughs) (laughs) Like, wow, okay. I'm talking about Babylon 5, because, um, as I'm going to FCD next weekend, and they've got a couple of people there from Babylon 5, and I've only seen several episodes dotted throughout the run. Um, I've borrowed from colleague at work, um, at the moment just series one and two so I've been working the way through there and yeah going through season one I think it was I saw a certain TOS actor oh yeah no yeah he 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 is very prominent and constantly returning on the show I just finished season two and he's been in three maybe four episodes yeah so yeah, uh, he's a he's a he's a he's a recurring character. Of course, we're talking we're talking about Walter Koenig. He plays yeah, sorry, I just written, yeah. <laughs> I forgot I didn't actually say his name. <laughs> yeah. Um. So um. Yeah, I was actually um surprised to see him in it. It's like oh. Um. So yeah, I've only just started season two myself. So um. No, I'm not sorry. I'm still on season one. I'm on disc three. That's what I'm thinking of. So, um, so yeah, I'm hoping um, this weekend and this week to um, at least get through season one and to start season two, because that's when Bruce Boxletter, 
Boxing. Yeah, I don't know how to say Box his last Leitner. name. Might be. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> um, Captain John Sheridan. So um, that's when he comes into it, season two, I believe. So um, the, yeah. Well, the, the the interesting thing behind that is he comes in at season two because um, Sinclair from season one is actually starting to have significant health failings, and. I mean, you can see it just from the video thing in season two that shows off Sinclair as they get, as they give him a small part in that season. He looks like his health just really took a crap, and reading up on it, it really did. He wound up actually dying, um, and I think in between in between the final seasons of filming. Well, that's a shame. But yeah, his he had heavy, not just health issues, his mental health was failing, which is why he had to be replaced come season two. Okay, that, that's interesting. Oh yeah, in that chat, um, Alex has said, um, Bruce Boxleitner and Claudia Christian, you lucky bleep, um, have fun. Winky face. <laughs> so, and... Um, yeah, also, Alex had also mentioned that we'd also got, um, as little nods to things going on, um, when it came to the anniversary of Back to the Future, we got the hoverboards. That, See, that I can another... understand, because it's like an anniversary of this thing that is part of, uh, you know, when when you talk, you know, when we, when we hear an interview and somebody says, talks about the Pantheon, yeah, there is kind of this pantheon of sci-fi, like like sci-fi gods. You've got Trek, you've got Wars, you've got Back to the Future, and a couple of others here and there, which is all personal taste. But those three are usually the center, the the triad of the pantheon. And video gaming is slowly becoming its own art form that people will draw off of for for inspiration like shows like Trek and Star Wars and all that kind of stuff. So it 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 does make sense that they would like wink wink nod nod to to Mass Effect, but it just it seems it seems weird experiencing it, you know? Well the thing is, to do it unlike with a lot of other stuff, I suppose for another game release they're not going to put something in game um so to have a deal for something that they've got called andromeda um i think was very fitting um but yeah like yourself because i don't play mass effect i didn't get it um straight away um i sort of in our chat uh, i can't remember who it was who actually said and um, what it was was it you timberwolf or was it stew i think it was zombie actually Ah, might that, that that mentioned it was Mass Effect Andromeda, but see again, I I'm, I come from the perspective I've only played the the I've only played Mass Effect two, and it didn't really I, I didn't get it because I've not been there for all three, and I I'm not as big of a fan as a lot of other people have with the the Mass Effect universe. It's a <laughs> Mass Effect Two was a great game. Don't get me wrong. I just, I just, I'm not in love with it like other people. So yeah, there. It, it took me a while to realize. Oh, okay. Oh, 
Okay, I got it. That's that was that was the thought process. Okay. Well moving on. We had a new roleplay blog coming out. So this one is titled What Rough Beast? Uh did uh, did you read this one midnight? I did. Well, Congratulations! You've you've just volunteered to explain this because Lord knows I I haven't read it. I just <laughs> I looked at it and I go, yeah, I can't do this anymore. I can't read a good story and then try to explain this story and just go, it's not going to be in game. There's there's no point in from there's no point in us discussing this stuff because it's not going to be in game ever, and it's not going to have any bearing on the game. Ever. Well, you never know. That might change. We're, we keep asking for it. But you do often see that the little things are actually referenced to these books, um, or things do happen that relate to it. Now, of course, one of the things that they talk about are uh, this alien race called is it the Yuli. So, W-L-I. Um... It's not a race that I ever recall, and yeah, did a Google on them and got all sorts of things up. <laughs> um, so it didn't look like it oh, was anything midnight. that existed already. No, you didn't fall into the porn hole again, did you? I think you did. No, no I didn't. <laughs> you see, so. the Uli is this little device that I was waiting for Timber to go. Oh God! Nope. Shut up. <laughs> <Mm-mm>. <laughs> No, I, I I just got um, links to an American um, village <laughs> off the Central East Coast <laughs> called okay. New Lai, which is N-U apostrophe and then W-L-I. So <laughs> um, it's just like, yeah, that's not what I was looking for. <laughs> yeah, if you're if you're if you're ever Google searching. Turn on the say filter if you're looking for tuning forks, or you know, actually use the words tuning fork. Because if <laughs> if you type in sounding device, you get a completely different listing. So, um, yeah, my question, of course, is who are this alien race? Um, they seem very different, sort of more of a sort of elemental. Race? Would you agree with that, Timbo? Yeah, kinda. I mean, I, I'm almost to the point of where Sun's at. I'd stopped reading, but yeah, I can agree with that on the race as far as what they were describing. So, um, yeah, there of course, some of their planets have moons have been attacked by the Zincathi to stop a war. Um, they've noticed that they're basically going after these crystals. And what they've done is to try and avoid any more deaths. What they've done is they have actually destroyed um, their own planets and that which have any of those stockpiles of. So, um, so yeah, it will be interesting to see where that comes into the game because, as I said, we often we often get a new alien race or something mentioned in a blog that does then appear in game. Well, I've been saying for a while now, these crystals I keep destroying, I honestly think you go back to Echoes of Light, I think it's an alien race itself. 
and somewhere along the line, we're going to get a mission where we can get a piece of their tech because we have done that before. I mean, we did that with the preservers, and then we got the resonant uh, disruptor beam and torpedo and all that. So it was like preserver tech that we got. So I'm honestly thinking that's what we're going to get. Is we're going to get this alien race that hatches out of eggs. We're going to get their weaponry or maybe their shields and engines or something. And then we actually get to meet them and talk to them in that episode. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they come into game. Um, we don't usually get a new species mentioned in the blogs without them appearing in the game. Um, so we we do see some sort of relation to what is actually put in those blogs in that respect. Um, uh, now, I, I would I would like to I would just like to say whoever wrote this this blog, um, does this blog take place before or after our reputation is completed? For the Lucari. I think uh, it's before, to be honest. And, uh, <laughs> uh, if this is taking place after the Lucari reputation, which which even after you finish the Lucari reputation, the process of what the Lucari are doing in that reputation continues. Because <laughs> I don't know if the war is supposed to be over by the end of the Lucari reputation or not. And this is the problem with like trying to draw shit out is you don't know where the timeline is for anything anymore because it's it's all based on hey how often are you doing this thing in game but that aside it's kind of stupid for these people to be destroying their own planets when the lucari are just going to come along and go boop proto matter it's back well given that those worlds may still be populated because if they've destroyed those crystals themselves, they may have done it in a way that wasn't the way the Zinkathy were doing it, which destroyed the entire planet. So that might not be the case. I don't know. All I know um, is you hearing hearing you guys go, they destroyed the planets with with you know that they controlled with those crystals on it, and I'm like. Yeah, and then all of a sudden up come the Lucari who go, hey, we've noticed that this planet has been destroyed. Let's pop a protomatter device. <laughs> what? Lucari, what the hell are you doing? Stop! No! Now, you did ask about who had written the blog. Um, that was Paul Reed, the content writer, who posted this. Um, or who wrote that. Um, so, of course, Ambassador Kale had posted it. it. It would it would be nice. It would be nice if there was some sort of I don't know timeline of the events going on right now. It's like I mean, does anybody remember? <laughs> does anybody remember the Iconian War? No, because it didn't feel like war. Remember, it's like an episode, this reputation, and an episode, and some other thing, and then months and months later, another episode, and it's all done. Well, okay, what's the timeline on this war and us finishing the reputation and the information that is passed on in the, re the reputation? Uh, um, I don't know, but all of this stuff is happening in the year 2010 and not 2009 or 2409. It's 2410 and it's like, God, we are going through so much shit in just two years. Yeah, well, that's always been the case with the game until they only recently... Well, recently in the timeline of the game, only increased it to 2010. 
So we already had been doing a lot in the one year. Uh, not to mention the amount of time spent flying an actual ship. <laughs> but and, that's and the thing. And not to mention the time actually <laughs> spending time dealing with time in time. Yeah. But, um, Alex had asked some questions um, or put some statements into our um, chat um, earlier on. Um, he said regarding the RP blogs, um, have you read the RP blog? I have. Too bad that. And then he goes, A, these don't get advertised nearly as much as they should if they were supposed to offer any bang for the buck. B, nothing happening in those blogs ever manages to to have any influence on things that happen in-game. I would like to see some of those 3 billion defectors from, um, from those 5 billion enemy factions we've fought until now. And would it really kill them to give us an index page for the Temporal War and put a link to that and the Iconian War index page somewhere on their website? I mean, it, 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 he's not wrong. I mean, does anybody remember the RP blog where we've got one of the Sphere Builders openly rejecting the crap going on with the other spill, uh, uh, sphere builders. He's he's tried and convicted, and his wife comes along, rescues him, puts him in a pod, and says, go, just go. And it's like, he's the, the last like notes of him being in the pod are, I know I'm going to die before I reach the Federation, but hopefully they pick up this pod. Nothing in-game ever mentions them picking up a Tutarian pod, ever. Or even the wreckage of one. Like they see, they see the wreckage on long range sensors. I know what you're talking about, son. Uh, I'm I'm gonna go back to your Iconian War reference. My greatest moment in the Iconian War came from a foundry mission, and that was someone having the Iconians attack Risa because of a Section Thirty One plot. And here you see Risa burning. Now that is Iconian War. They will attack your shit regardless of where you're at. Because portals. I, I do have to say, whoever whoever wrote that Foundry mission was such a sly bastard because that mission came out as the summer event was yeah. going on. So it's people putter up Pax, to Risa and there's a Foundry mission. Pax Federica, if I'm pronouncing it correctly. My buddy Pax, he's on, tri he's on uh, Twitter and all that. He writes quite a few. I'm doing another review of one of his six-part stories right now. But he's the one that wrote it. And I'm like, this is what I need right now during the summer event. It's not a safe zone during the Iconian War. They could just pop up and kill us. You know? And that, that could have been a summer event deal that, that particular year. Be like, hey, by the way, every randomly every hour, depending on where it is, the Iconians could attack. Have Solar fun! Eclipse, Iconians show up. It's not really a solar eclipse. It's an Iconian ship and fleet. Yeah, and it was just one of those things I think was missed out on was we're referencing a war in the blogs, and right there, it could have just, like I said, it could have just been an hourly event or something, and it's like, oh dear god, I could be grinding out the rep for my ship, and I'm on a power board, and all of a sudden, oh crap, here's the Iconians, and we gotta fight to save paradise for 10 minutes like that to me. And I know there might've been extra work that could have been involved and that's why they couldn't do it. It's like, it's one of those things with the writing that they're due, even a tiny nudge within the game itself 
could pay off dividends when it comes to that. It could pay off actual dividends, even if it was a reference in one of the missions during um, the Sphere Builder War. Just, oh, we picked up wreckage while we're in this mission of this Deuterian life pod. Well, at least it shows closure for that one story blog. And it's not that much, but it's there, and you're referencing it. It's like, oh, okay, cool. I know what happened to that dude. All right, awesome. It's not much. Take a few seconds of writing to just mention it. Maybe you see the debris in the background. I do feel they've just missed, even if it's done in the background, little tidbits they could put in missions to reference their story blogs. And then people that don't read them are like, wait a minute, where did this come from? Oh, well, check out the story blog. And then they read the story blog and it ties together. There's just been little little missed opportunities. You say, you say, read the story blog. It also helps if there are useful, handy dandy links that that can link you exactly to where you need to go to find that blog in the first place. Not scroll through like a multimedia website where those pages just randomly disappear for no reason whatsoever. Well, laughing trendy um, a while back did actually do this for um, Seasons 10 and 10.5 when it came to the Iconian War. Um, She did actually compile a nice page which actually does do that. Yes, Um, yes. Put that in our chat. She she did it before all of the blogs were written and posted. She had created this page. Um, No, this was done afterwards. After the season was done, um, she compiled um, the list of all of them with little summaries and then posted that. But see, okay, okay. Still, this is something that should be done before all those blogs are seasoned and, and finished. That way, there's a place you drop it into that people can go and look at it. Oh, hey, I'm in the middle of the Iconian War arc. Oh, here's a page of all of these blogs. Oh, I'm in the middle of the Agents of Yesterday blo- uh, uh, war thing. Let me go look at the blogs that are supposed to be associated with it. Okay, cool. Now we're doing um, the Zincathy thing. Alex says in chat, and remember, you cannot easily find that link anymore. You have to dig for it to find it, if you know it exists. Well, actually, I didn't. Um... I went to guides, and it's the top one there, Tales of the War Compendium. Um, yes, it needs to be updated with everything since Season 10. Um, and they need some new ones, and maybe if Ambassador Kill is listening, he'll be able to find some time to do that. Um, but, yeah, I just went to guides, and it was the link there. So it wasn't that difficult to find, and yes, if I'm looking see, for... If I'm looking for some information on things that happen, no, I went and clicked. I went to Arc Games and clicked on guides, and that was it. <laughs> right, but how many people know that it's even there? Yeah, but if you're looking for um, information that you've heard about, then you go to a website and you click a link, and the link that I would have felt would have made sense to click on was guides and if it wasn't there i would have tried the wiki link i don't okay there there, there's a point where your logic and my logic vastly differs because when i look at something like guides i go 
oh, how do I get started in this game? Okay, let me go check out the guides that the game offers on how to get started. I don't go look at a guides page and go, that's where I'm going to find story content. No, that would be a lore tab or a lore page. I just, uh, again, this is where our logic just like, vastly forks in two different directions. But oh, well. yeah, it's, it's, it's nothing. It's, again, you have to, you have to at least have an inkling of where you need to go looking before you can go looking because one, it's not advertised that it's there. It's, it's, you know, it's surely not said in game. Hey, hey, go check out these blogs on this reputation here. And, and, and <laughs> it's not in game properly. Like to be a part of the game, to feel like it's part of the game. It's a wholly secondary experience. But that's what they're designed for. They're designed just to let people who do check out the site something else to enjoy. Now, we would like to see that taken further, which we have mentioned plenty of times on the show. But at the end of the day, they haven't. They said they've got some ideas on how to do that. Because um, we've brought up with some of the developers we've had on the show. I think the last time we brought up was actually with Al. And he said they have got ideas that they have thought about, but it's not high on their list from what they've said. So, but yeah, it would be nice. And yeah, it would be good if the blogs like that could be put into somewhere more searchable. So, okay. Well, going on to more specific PC news. Um, coming up for the event calendar. Um, Monday the 3rd of April to Friday the 7th of April um, we have got First Contact Day Hooray! Yay! Um, or for players of the other factions you've got Day of Honour for the Klingons and Republic Day for the Romulans which remember we, we didn't have one of these last year so those those uh, those rewards may not be granted at all that's listed in the event calendar. Yeah. Now, for first contact day, you can get the replica of the Phoenix for doing the Day of Honor. You can get the commemorative bronze batleth. And for the Republic Day, you can get a non-combat Nanov pet. Now, the I can't... replica is a, non, a space non-combat pet of the Phoenix. Yeah. So, I can't remember if you unlock that for your account when you do that, or if it's per character. Per character. I think it is, um, but I um, can't be sure. Um, I'm sure we'll I get... No, it's per character, because I have, I have Romulans that don't have access to the Nanoth pet. Okay. Um, so, yeah, there'll be a blog coming out soon. Um, it is for level 10 and above, so... If you are wanting your characters to partake in the events, then um, get them leveled up. Um, and you... and remember, if you're a Romulan character, you get the you get two. You get your Nanoff pet, and you can get either the replica of the Phoenix or the Batleth, uh, along with the Nanoff pet. But you have to have chosen a faction, which is why there's the level ten lockout. Yeah. 
Now, for the shuttle, um, sorry, the other event is we have a shuttle weekend coming up. That starts on Thursday 6th of April and will run until um, Monday 10th. And we've also got in the calendar the Alachi Alert Weekend, which is the 20th of April, which is the Thursday, until Monday 24th. So they're two weekend events coming up soon. Shuttle Weekend, yes! 20-man Shuttle Fleet Alert. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> especially with all of the um especially with all of the new agents of yesterday tunes that have their freebie type F shuttle with yep. the one or with the 360 uh toss era phaser beam array. Yeah, I've got to look to kit out my shuttle. <laughs> so, yeah, hopefully I'll get a chance to play the last Shuttle and even the Larchie weekends that have gone on, I've not had a chance to actually play. So, fingers crossed I do this time. I wonder if they're going to have, like, I wonder if they're going to start doing things like this, like they did with the Ground No Win, where they're going to have, yeah, hey, it's a, it's a weekend event. Cool. Here's a thing. Play for three days and get stuff. I have a feeling they have more planned. I don't know. It would certainly add a whole lot more to that Phoenix box, won't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It'd be nice if the Shuttle Weekend had a sort of Shuttle No Win. <laughs> that would be fun. Well, it's not that. It's the, here's the, here's the uh, uh, event roster in your reputations. Play for three days, put in a little device, get a thing that only goes on shuttles. And it could be a customized shield. It could be a specialized weapon or console. It could be any number of things. Well, it could, yes. I, I kind of, I kind of look at what the Federation has, and and what with the, the different other offerings going on, uh, going on for the Federation. The Federation kind of has a complete shuttle set. They've got the engine out of the Yellowstone. They've got a deflector out of the um, Cation, um, shuttle for the for the that carrier and uh if they have the ferengi shuttle guess what they have a shield speaking of which hey hey devs hey devs can um can the klingons get a version of the yellowstone please because i would really like an admiralty card on my klingon that gives me times five critical to everything federation's got it what's this what you know what where, where's this thing about oh we we want people to have more fun it's not fun not being able to get a critical on these missions and yet my federation character does it constantly because of that little itty bitty shuttle hop to it let's get to work also it would be really nice to actually have a slaver shuttle as a shuttle just saying okay i'm done you can move on <clears throat> okay so, PC patch notes. These were dated the 23rd of March. Um, we've had a few updates. So, the Vothmele weapon. Um, Furidon's fangs. Thank you. Can now be reclaimed if unlocked through the Beach Events project. They resolved an issue that caused structural analysis to spread to the player that cast it. Um, what Structural analysis, Timber. Can you? This is a science. This oh, is yeah. a science ability. It's 
I mean, the way it's kind of worded, you you want it if you're doing a lot of crowd control, gravity well. Um, you do a debuff to a target, let's say a cube, and it's doing a hefty debuff to it. I think it was like structural analysis two is like negative twenty four point eight. I've got to look to see if my ship that I'm currently on has access to it. I doubt it. Well, this but, is actually part of the um, this is actually part of the changes that are coming with space. See what, what yeah. structural analysis says it does is not what it does in game. Yeah, but it's it's supposed to at least in game you put this debuff on a target, and then every few seconds, if there's ships nearby, it will more or less infect a nearby target with the same debuff. So it can constantly infect nearby targets with the same debuff, so you can hit them just as hard as you can the primary target. That's what it's it says it's doing in game. Actually, actually, because of the changes that were happening to it in the space changes, I had to go and find out what was going on and come to find out. Structure analysis, the way structure analysis says it works, is that it is supposed to make you do more damage. It is supposed to make you more effective. Well, that's not what it does right now in-game. What it does in-game is kind of kills the resistances of whatever yeah. you have structure analysis on. So whatever damage you are doing is supposed to be amplified. Well, if if structure analysis is hitting back at you, guess what? You get squishy! So that's what they fixed. They fixed science captains being ultra squishy for using structural analysis. And I go, now that's why I haven't been using structural analysis. Okay, um, just to quickly go back to a topic and we're just covering regarding the guides. Um, I've just sent a tweet to Ambassador Kale um, asking about getting more lists for the RP blogs and maybe a better place to put it. So if we hear back, I shall let you know. Okay, back to patch notes. Um, resolved an issue where the damage from deteriorating secondary deflectors was lower than intended in some cases. Uh, the universal class warship engine trails now appear correctly. Now the universe class is the Enterprise J, isn't it? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. They've resolved an issue where fire torps and fire phases torps commands were not firing the bioneural warhead launcher. They've changed the messaging when typing to delete a mail with an item attached to call out that the attached item will be deleted. Okay, so basically they've just made it that it does the pop-up. Well, here's the thing. The 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 way the messaging system worked before this change was that it said um along the what it said essentially was, "Hey, you're about to delete this mail that has an item in it. This item will eventually find its way back to whoever originally owned it." And that's never what happened. The, the item was just deleted. Okay. So, well, they said they've changed the messaging. They said they haven't changed the way it works. Right. No. no that's, yeah. That's what I'm saying. It was. Yeah. The, the the wording was very RP'd in it. In in the fact that it, it kind of made this mention of, oh, you know, you're getting rid of this item. It will eventually find its way back to its owner, which was 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 how the was which, that was how the alert message read. 
So you're thinking, oh, okay, I can just delete this mail and it will show back up sometime in whoever sent it to me's inventory. Even if it's my own. So, like, eventually, a couple of months later, maybe this thing that I've just deleted will show back up in my primary inventory. Okay, cool, delete. No, it's gone. And it will be gone forever. But that's okay. not what it said. Okay. Um, they've also resolved an issue where the Taoshiar adapted battle cruiser and the Taoshiar adapted destroyer used a different name while dry docked. Now, they've said that known issues include um, frames per second will drop in character creation if the randomized button is pressed. And some kit modules appear as blank items in the inventory and bank. Oh, now, boy. What's the oh boy for the kit modules? No, no, no. I'm just thinking, I wonder what the the names for the Tal Shiar ships are, because the only thing I can think of is the, the, the good ship and the lollipop. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, I mean, that's the only thing that crossed my mind. It's like, what would they be? What would their names be changed to the good ship and lollipop? <laughs> I mean, I could see it happening as an in joke from the devs, but like, I don't know what does has anybody experienced this? What are the what are those ships being changed to in the dry dock? <laughs> uh, okay, so on March twenty third, which was Thursday, um, we also had a triple server update. Timberwolf, did you want to go through what has been? Advertise is being changed, and also you mentioned to me that there's also some things that have been changed that aren't in the patch notes. Yeah, and I was looking over the patch notes to make for sure that I didn't see it, and it's not in there. The one thing that wasn't in your patch notes for Tribble this past week was they boosted the damage of the plasma explosions again. Um and that's been a point of contention for a lot of players that have invested a lot in those particular Romulan embassy consoles um, is because of what the changes they're doing for they're trying to re do balance checks. And they're trying to make it where you can experiment with different items of the game. They basically tone down the damage multitudes of times and they uh, do the damage again on the consoles. So your tool tips will probably read on Tribble that the plasma explosions doing probably about 2100 to 2200 damage, but it's still a per cycle chance. They when they changed it originally, it went from per shot to per cycle. It's still it's still per cycle, and they still do not bypass shields anymore. So if it happens, it could just harmfully harmlessly hit the shields, and that's it. So. They're still not doing nearly as much output as they used to. And well, I think well, that was the point when they made these changes. But for those of you that noticed that change, or if you haven't noticed it, they're still not doing what you think they are. Uh, parts that I read earlier today that we were able to do a pug run on Tribble. I think the science ship, or uh, I think it was a Sciati, it was doing four embassy consoles. And I think the plasma explosion numbers was 1k of their damage. And on Holodeck right now, you're running those kind of consoles, you can see 40 to 50k of your damage. So 
they're still not doing much. So if you're playing on triple, experiment with something else. I uh, m- maybe I'm just maybe they've changed it so much that the way I think it applies has been different for forever. But uh, wasn't the point of these not that you're using any type of weapon and you can cause plasma damage, but the fact that it would cause a plasma fire? Well, originally they came out with a plasma fire. So it was a plasma damage over time, and it ignored shields, so it would burn the hull of the target. And then I believe they had stated years ago that when they made the change from the fire to the explosion, the fire was doing too much damage. Then they changed it to an explosion, just this one-time pop. Well, it ended up doing even more damage than before when they were trying to change it. They've been messing with these consoles for years, trying to lower their damage and change what they do, and then they boost them up again because too many players cry about the change. So they boost them up again, and then they're doing obscene numbers. And finally, I think what they've done is they've just decided, look for balance checks. We're looking at some people using these consoles. They're doing obscene amounts of damage that for our balance check that we're trying to do to balance everything out so that players have more options they're just doing too much so we're just going to normalize them try to find a normal spot but change how they work enough where they're not a go-to console they can just be an option but they've been messing with these things ever since they came out pretty much well i mean at at a i mean even if they are doing like 1200 damage an explosion that's i mean you're you're talking about a really low end torpedo console essentially yeah, I mean, it, because, I mean, we're talking I mean, about a, a two-minute run. They're averaging a, a thousand to twelve hundred damage right now on Tribble, whereas on Holodeck you can get forty to fifty thousand damage a second out of these right. consoles. Well, so see, even, even that's not bad. Well, you know, it's not bad, but it's not great. You the way it's basically being made right now on Tribble with the the stealth boost, if you want to call it that, is you could run one of these consoles, maybe get some decent damage out of it. Or you could try a different console and try to boost your weapons. Or maybe try one of these activatable consoles like Delphic Tear and see if you can get just as much damage out of that as you could the Plasma console. They're well, just, see, that balance this, change is nice. Well, a lot, of, a lot of this also is, oh, here's a console that gives you its own torpedo. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, that kind of should be on the low end of the torpedo spectrum, considering just a normal, you know, Mark 12 torpedo can do anywhere from 3,000 to 5,000 damage, depending on its type, or well, more. It wasn't just that. It was that the two things that made these things the must-haves are gone. It was the fact that it fired per shot, so if when you fire a beam array... On a non-enhanced anything, a beam array will fire four times in a cycle. On holodeck, every time that beam fires, it has a chance to, to put off a plasma explosion. So if you're lucky, all four shots put off a plasma explosion. It's a low chance, but it can happen. Instead, on triple, it's per cycle. So if it doesn't trigger off that first shot in the cycle, it's not going to have another chance to trigger until that firing cycle is done and you start the next one. So it's significantly decreased how often it can happen. And then the big thing about these was that the plasma explosion completely ignored shields altogether. It was a 100% shield penetration, went straight to hull. So there were opportunities where if these were doing enough damage, you could blow up a target and the shields were still up. 
I mean, I couldn't tell you how many times we went into a Zenkethi Advanced and you saw people spamming these consoles. The Zenkethi shields, even their forward shields, are still up at 50% to 75% power and the target's hull is at 1% because it's just pure shield bypass damage. Because they took away the, the ignore shields and they changed how often it can brock, it's now gone to something where, okay, well, it's basically a torpedo console or it's something that's activatable. It's gone to something that it's on par with something else. If they would have left it the way it is on Holodeck, you'd still want to have these because there'd be nothing to parallel their damage output. So you'd always want that console. There wouldn't be an option. Well, if you had a couple of these consoles and i don't know the i don't know the proc percentage chance like on the console because i haven't picked it's one up two, at all it's 2.5 percent but essentially the way it is right now before these changes you have a you have your your two percent chance and you have 32 times to try and proc it in any one given cycle if you're running a pure beam boat on a 4-4 cruiser. Or 40 times if you're under beam fire at will because it fires five shots instead of four. Yeah. Whereas so, now on triple... Now it's just going to be eight times per cycle. Yeah, so it's, it's, a, dram- it's a dramatic cut. It's a one-quarter cut. But then it also doesn't bypass shields. So, you know, you can get a plasma explosion. You can get, you know, more than one per cycle, but it's just being dissipated by shields, just like energy damage is. So the damage is being dissipated and it's doing a lot less. And that's that's kind of the the thing that they're still trying to balance out, I guess, to make some of the player base happy and then others like, look, well, you won't have to use this console, but it's going to be, a, you, you may want to try it out sometime. But hey, it this would, other console will work just as fine. Considering they're changing how it procs, it, it would seem to be the easiest balance for the player base would be to go back to the DOT. And see, then now that wouldn't be a bad idea because then you're adding a plasma burn. You're basically adding a plasma burn proc to your weapons. Right. And, see, and that, that was wouldn't the big be problem from the beginning is these players are creating obscene, obscene amounts of damage over time because of the plasma burn. But now you've cut the, the, you've cut the proc off at the ankles, not even at the knees, just at the ankles. And like, yeah, you can significantly, you can go right back to the the damage over time proc that these things used to have, and it will still proc. It may burn more than you want, but it's going to proc a whole lot less. Yeah, and a lot of players nowadays, they're, they're enjoying the damage over time abilities more because it's you know something's burning them while they're still hitting them, so some some players are actually enjoying more damage over time, so changing the nature back to their original version might not be a bad idea. It still especially, gives players an option, especially with especially with the counterbalance that you've also created that players can now just hit hazard emitters and get rid of just about everything that's damaged over time. Mm-hmm. So there's Which, your balance. Hazard emitters usually come standard on a ship now. Yeah, so there's your balance. You know, oh, I've gotten hit with all these plasma burns. Oh, they're cleansed. But you see just, how that was... easy it is, cryptic. <laughs> but you know, and that would be a nice thing. But that was the one thing I noticed that they didn't mention in the patch notes. It did get a, another boost. Um, they've changed how they're wording accuracy and defense. So they're doing accuracy rating and defense rating, trying to just accurately convey what they're doing here. You increased your accuracy rating so you can hit hit you know, more accurately. Basically, you're missing less. 
and your defense rating is they're missing you more. They updated that. They did some updates to attack pattern Lambda, which is from the pilot uh, specialization, which apparently that was a little too much for perception. They've updated sensor analysis because they were stating in the um, subsequent responses that it's supposed to increase the damage you're doing to the target because that's what it's mentioning, but it was actually doing a debuff to the target. And what they wanted it to do instead was since you're using it to increase your damage to the target, they want it to increase your weapon damage to it, the target. They don't, they didn't mean for it to debuff it. They want it to, okay, well I'm able to hit it harder kind of deal with my own weapons. So they, they updated it and they said it was a server side. It helps out with server side calculations. Um, one that I did notice in parsing, if anybody likes to use strategist, the counteroffensive feedback pulse built in, they have decreased its effectiveness considerably. Um, before this change, with the, with the amount that it was proccing, you could get about 2.5k if you were doing a, a damage output run in ISA, about 2.5k. It was actually putting out some decent damage to your targets when it did its feedback pulse. Well, they increased the cooldown, so it happens less often, and it's reflecting less damage. Um, the average is putting out is probably about four to 500 damage on its reflection. So since its damage is, that has been reflected is decreased and it's happening less often, it's not nearly as fun. Um, the one that I... I don't know why they did this, and maybe one of you can tell me. We went through all these balance changes where you couldn't override the subsystem offline for override subsystem safeties. Because they had noticed that, oh, you use that. Oh, my aux power's down for five seconds. Oh, no, it's not. Hot restart. So they made all these, these um, hot restarts be once every 60 seconds, and they made it where you could not undo the basically the penalty for override subsystem safeties. Well, now they've put it back in where you can... Oh, there's no penalty. If you can cleanse it, go ahead and cleanse it. If you can resist it, go ahead and resist it. That's kind of been why a lot of people run override 3. is because they can cleanse it really quickly. So they get all the benefits, and then they can cleanse it so there's no penalty. They put the penalty back in place, and they... Oh, the penalty's gone now. That one I don't understand. I don't either. I... I... <laughs> Because that would be a balance. Why is anybody? Why, why are people trying to make Scotty work overtime? Stop it! <laughs> um, they did some changes to gravity well and subspace vortex. Um, they're saying in the patch that the the uh, the pull scales more, much more aggressively with control expertise. But I was just running a run with um, Ernest. He does a lot of science torpedo builds, and I've been looking at some of his numbers and some other people that run science. They're saying that the pull is actually less now with the same amount of control expertise. That it's not scaling more aggressively, it's scaling less aggressively. That might be something they want to look at. Maybe someone didn't press an extra zero in there. Especially especially after especially after reducing the damage that both Gravity Well and Subspace Vortex do. Yeah, so it's just... And they, Look, you know, I'm okay with, with trading off damage for more stuff being in the gravity well, but when you cut off both after already having to admit that you've had to buff them, like ungodly, uh, <laughs> okay, 
don't know what you're doing over there, but it ain't fun. Yeah, it's just the way it's kind of been made now with the changes to the science abilities. It's kind of you can't double dip anymore. You can't have a tattoo. Excuse me. That was dinner. Okay. Um, you can't have a tactical heavy starship that can also do heavy grav well because it's just not getting the same boost. Just like with you were seeing these uh, tank builds, they were doing obscene amounts of damage with their weapons, but at the same time, they had a feedback pulse and tractor beam repulsors and all these other science abilities they could boost to do the same obscene amounts of damage. They've kind of toned it down where, okay, if you want to do science, you really got to boost science. And if you want weapons, you really got to boost weapons. Um, and I just, I don't understand why they keep nerfing gravity well or reducing gravity, however you want to word it. Um, it's a good control ability. And if it's pulling less and doing less damage, and then like, um, so for balance and player fun, why would I want to use it if it's just going to hold them there? Like, I want it to actually crush them a little bit, not like, tickle them. Well, yeah. See, here's the thing: if you if you if you want people to stop using gravity well and vortex and all of these hold and control and damage deal abilities, how about buffing the other science abilities? I, I, you know, I'm not saying, I'm, I'm just saying, you know, when you have like a photonic explosion thing that does knockback, that does almost nothing in damage, why would anyone use it? Yeah. Just, uh, I'm hoping they boost it. And I know they're making, they're making these changes, trying to balance things out, but I think they're, they're going from one extreme to the other. And then I'm hoping that in subsequent mini patches, they can boost things back to a, a middle ground is what I'm hoping for. This reminds me, I have to, I have to, I have to jump on my my Polaron science captain and find out if isokinetic cannon has been boosted with all of the new uh, exotic particle damage changes. Considering isokinetic cannon is supposed to be, you know, kinetic damage, but it comes out of your ship as this ball thing. Well. Reading a parse that I just did from a, a science captain, he did 95k in this infected run. Isokinetic cannon did an average of 1.1k. Its max one hit was 139k. I don't know if that helps you. Well, it, it's, it as hit far for as a god awful amount. As far as I'm aware, it's supposed to be one of the few things that just sheerly bypasses shields. Because, yeah. you know, isokinetic cannon, like, the one time we saw it in Voyager, they were doing, like, it was the start of an entire episode of Voyager. Hey, let's use it on this plate of stuff that is supposed to be, like, the strongest stuff the Federation knows about as a hull material. Obliterated the target. Like, mm -hmm. okay, I think I want that on my ship. Ah, that's a nice power to have. Oh, okay. It's nothing like what it was in Voyager. All right. <laughs> well, you've also got to remember that, what, 40 years has progressed since then as well. So technology to combat that would have been more than likely created. Well, yes, but you also have to remember this. 
<laughs> the isokinetic cannon isn't like a 40-year-old console we suddenly get. We get a updated, we get it as part of a, oh, here, by the way, here's a reputation of the Delta Quadrant of a line species, and here's a three-piece, you know, here's a three-piece weapon set that whose ability is this isokinetic cannon. I, I would hope it would have some updates, like invert the polarity of deflector or something, you know, that's very Star Trek-y that they would say on this show. I don't know. I mean, I can under, I can wholly understand, like, the Borg reputation having the kinetic cutting beam and the kinetic cutting beam, like, actually impacting the shields and not doing direct hull damage because when do the Borg iterate on their technology ever unless they're having to adapt to something? Yeah. Now so I can I can imagine the kinetic cutting beam like us having the shield technology to combat the kinetic cutting beam, but the fact that all of these aligned worlds got together and said, "Hey, let's get together, let's form an alliance," because we got shit going on with the Vodwar. Oh, by the way, the Vodwar is so badass with these Polaron beams. Here's a three-piece weapon kit, and the big thing is you got a pushy button that grants you this ability that surely bypasses shields and does straight up hull damage. Kind of think those aligned races would go, hey, let's make that better, considering we have better technology now. Well, the one thing I was testing that is in mentioned in here, the shield refrequencer science consoles. Now, these are the only science consoles from a store in the reputation, from the Dyson reputation. These were pretty much, it was the only reputation I remember that has tactical engineering and science consoles in their store, which was kind of cool. Because you had the auto-targeting locators, but they had built-in accuracy and um, energy damage and proton damage. Like They had a whole lot of different boosts mm -hmm. for them. You had the engineering ones where they're giving resistance and then uh, any number of engineering boosts. These were giving you a science boost. You get Exotic Particle. You get Control X, Drain X. They'd give you a chance to heal your shields, but then they'd also give you a chance that on an exotic damage ability or a shield drain ability, it would do proton damage that would completely bypass shields. Where they boosted the damage significantly, and when I mean significantly, I was looking at them, I epicked out a console, and on a gravity well, it had a 10% chance to do 15,000 damage to the target that would be bypassing shields. Don't tell nobody they added an extra zero. They added an extra zero. <laughs> I mean, well, I'm not sure what they were doing beforehand, but right now, that's what I was seeing when I was testing out one or two ships. With a Mark 14 Epic, it was showing 15,000 proton damage that would completely ignore shields and double damage to Voth. So if you're fighting the Voth, it would be 30,000 proton damage. That My would build bypass is mostly shields. a reputation build at this point yeah. because of stuff like that. So <laughs> like if you. If you feel lucky with it and you want to stack a couple of these, you have – when you read the tooltips, and I've got a bug report in because there are science abilities that are exotic damage abilities and they're not proccing this. And it doesn't list on the console which ones are – which one proc and which one don't. But you can kind of a figure out which ones are and which ones are not and why – you know, trying to figure out why not. So there's a bug report on it just to figure out – you know, why there's some exotic damage abilities that don't proc these consoles. But if you feel lucky enough to put one or two of these on here and you're using heavy exotics like Gravity Well, which does proc it, you can have a lot of proton damage potentially bypassing shields and obliterating a target's hull 
if you get a lucky hit chance with them. Could be something might be worth looking into, since they also give you a science boost. So, we're looking into that. I was, but it lo- could be I nice. was looking into those consoles to replace what I have on my build anyway, because it's like, I don't know of any good science consoles, mainly because I don't really, I don't, I don't fiddle with the Romulan consoles. The Romulan consoles just seem like a... I just I've never looked at the the Romulan consoles and go I need that on a build because threat control and it's like oh oh okay I I don't I don't need that then I looked at the I looked at the 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 other consoles the engineering and the tactical consoles from the uh, from the Dyson Rip and I went these are neat for dealing with the Voth but why and then I was as I was building this anti proton build for 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 my Tellerite, I'm like, oh, these science consoles are cool. I'm glad I'm doing this reputation again. I might buy one of these. Well, the tactical consoles from the Dyson Rip might actually find some use because they have, you know, they've reduced the accuracy for a lot of beam abilities and cannon abilities like scatter volley and beam fire at will. So you might be able to actually pop one of these on a, a build because it does give a good accuracy boost. Um... Stack one of these in one of the spared consoles. Yeah, but the um, shield refrequencers, I mean, right now I know for a fact they're working with Gravity Well and they're working with uh, Tachyon Beam. I know those two. So, you know, if you feel lucky and you're, you're used to using those abilities, you cycle them through, you can get a lot of proton damage to bypass shields. That could be something that ends up working. It just depends. we got to figure out why. Like I said, we got to figure out why there's some exotic or shield drain abilities that you can get from the vendors on ESD and Kronos that will not proc them. So, that's a to-be-continued. Um, they changed emergency power to weapons. The energy damage buff is now just directed energy weapons, so just your actual weapons that fire energy. Apparently it was boosting other things too, and they don't want that. Go figure. Um, they've reduced Miracle Worker a little bit, and I can understand why. For its hull heal and its secondary shields. Zombie tank! Well, and I can understand why. On my engineer right now, it's something that we're recording later. If I was to activate Miracle Worker before this patch, it was giving me a 45k hull heal. 45,000 points of hull heal off the gate, and it was also giving me 14,000 secondary shield hit points. So that's pretty much a double shield layer. My, my regular shields were around the same point. So a double shield layer and then f- a little less than 50% of my hull in one pop. And if you're running Grace Under Fire, you take a lot of damage. Somehow they blast through all of that. Well, then you can pop it again and get the same boost again. So, you know, they they reduced it a little bit. It's not that bad, but yeah, I can see that. And then they boosted the rotate shield frequency on the engineers. So I think they're trying to balance the engineers a little bit, but they realize, okay, these guys have got built-in survival. Let's decrease it a little bit. We don't want them unkillable, which I mean, pretty much s- at this point they could be. I've got a Stowe parody song running around in my head. Thank you, Timber. <laughs> Wasting away again in such a squishy build. <laughs> oh god. Um and then the last <laughs> thing 
that really popped up is they went back to Imminent Decay and Entropic Rider, which Entropic Rider is from the Temporal Operative Specialization. And they now indicate that the damage bypasses shields. It's a tooltip change only. But then they also had to increase the damage Entropic Rider increases. That it does. Um, so they increase its damage. But this is another case of the Romulan Embassy consoles. They changed Entropic Rider to be the same way as the Embassy consoles. It used to be per shot you had a chance. And now it's per cycle. So there are... If you're running the plasma consoles and the entropic rider, they're both per cycle. So you could get really lucky and they both happen, or only one or the other, or neither. And you have to wait till the next cycle to figure out if it's going to happen again. So they, they've increased the damage, but you still have the same proc rate. going to be up to you to see if it really works for you, and if the other boosts in that specialization are really what's best for you. Um, other minor things, they increased continuity healing from Temporal Operative. They made boarding pi parties fly significantly faster to their target because we need to take over that ship. So I can just see them blasting away at like 0.9c and then getting some sort of time dilation and then all of a sudden they disappear. Here's um, the question though. Uh, okay, they've increased the fact that boarding parties now zoom off to the ship that they're supposed to be um, you know, boarding and stuff. Does that also apply to the wholly unused Marauder vessels for the Orion Marauder? Cause, it could uh, possibly. Because, uh, let's, let's be honest, the only reason that anybody would ever have those on, uh, on a, a carrier on the KDO side is the fact that they are a free version of boarding party. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's it. They don't, like, hang around and fight in space. They literally launch... And they kind of do like the little, um, what is it, the the torpedo, the the bioneural warhead where it's got the little antiproton turret on it that just fires at stuff that's incoming. They do that, and then they head to the ship, and then they board the ship, and then they do the stuff that boarding party does. That's it. That's all those ships do. They're kind of something, you know, that Cryptic said they were looking into. Well, not that they were looking into that, but this whole update is about making things that making changes so that something is something you never take. Well, those Marauders are kind of something you never really take because they're kind of worthless. Yeah. That's all that was really in the, the patch notes for Tribble this week. I mean, there, weren't, there weren't a lot of a lot of changes compared to the first Tribble patch they did. We'll have to wait and see to see if there's any additional changes this week. There's still not really a release date, but we do kind of have a dead zone. There's not many... You got shuttles and first contact, which is kind of with what with what's going on, and we still don't have the announcement of a new mission, featured mission. We're in a dry spell for that as well, kind of a dead zone. So we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, because you thought that would probably have it released this week, didn't you? Last week. That was my guess. I was wrong. Apparently, they're going to take a little bit longer, but. I know why they're doing it. I just can't say why, but I know why they're doing the balance changes, and it's something that's coming. Oh boy! Yeah, I know why. Um, and I'll just I'll mention this. What happened the last time they did this level of change to something? I'll mention ground, and then you figure it out from there. Um, well, I'm sh I think I've seen on 
Twitter that someone had actually said that no win scenario will be coming back. Well, that okay. Now that you okay, yeah, um, yeah. Well, look, they released the ground thing with a ground version of no win, and it wasn't like the it wasn't the Kobayashi Maru thing. It was just a no win scenario. Okay. Well, I think what they've done now is they realized how how popular the arena of Sopek was, and that was a never ending. So, you know, what probably is going to happen with all these changes, the reason they're making these changes is maybe they figured out a way to make no-win scenario the same way. Um, and if that's the case, you would need balance changes. Otherwise, oh, you just God. have... I mean, Stop think about it, that. Timber. Think about Stop it, though. It. You've, got, you've got songs floating around in my head. Damn it. I'm thinking of, I'm thinking of the theme from the never-ending story right now, from the movie. <laughs> and it is, it's like the never-ending combat. Ah! Well, that's the, only <laughs> thing, that's the only thing that makes sense. It's the only thing that makes sense is they did these ground changes for more balance. And then they came out with a testing ground for that where players of different play levels on ground could test them. The arena of SOPAC. That way they could test them in live combat, and it was good for a player of any level for ground combat. Mm-hmm. So it only makes for it only makes sense if they're doing this level of change to space. It's going to come out with a no-win scenario built the same way, so that anybody anybody of any level from casual to elite DPSer that plays forty hours a day, and I use that exaggeration lightly they'll have something to where they can scale and test their builds and all that. It only makes sense for them to do that, especially with the popularity of Arena of Sopak. Because oh. that was something that everybody enjoyed. Goody goody gun drops. We're going to get we're going to get a space version of the, the arena lightning. <laughs> I mean it just like I said, not been confirmed, but if that's the reason they're making these balance changes, it makes sense. Because then you don't have someone coming through with the, the amount of power creep and damage output that a lot of starships had that they currently have on holodeck right now, you put four or five of those ships in even an arena of Sopic based no-in scenario, and they'd be able to kill everything and go to like round six hundred, and it would be a br- it would be an absolute breeze for them. With these changes, it's just like arena of Sopic. You're going to, have to be part of a good team and balance it out. And see just how far you can get with it with teamwork. And I think that's why they're doing it. Regulus said in our chat, but they're not listening to the feedback though. And that you know, that's that's partly because they don't use Tribble to test changes. You test you know, we test those changes on Tribble. They mainly put that stuff to Tribble to last minute bug check their their changes. And if something starts going really weird with numbers, then they'll fix it in triple. No, but they do listen to all the feedback. They are monitoring it all. But of course, they are doing these changes for a reason. So because just you think something should be this way doesn't mean that's the way they now want it to work and that's what they're going to change. So um, it's not that they're not listening. It's because... They're looking to balance it and with what they're setting up, how you think it should work probably doesn't match what their expectations are to be when it's all finished. Remember, remember how it took four years for the Galaxy Dreadnought to get a saucer set? 
And then when they did, they're like, hey, by the way, you know that phaser lance thing you use on the galaxy? Yeah, now that you have saucer separation, that whole that whole barrel comes off, and now it's a sawed-off shotgun. It's, yeah, it took them four years to do that. So the fact that they're coming out with all of these changes now, it's like, okay, this is going to take the next four years for them to fiddle with. Uh, yeah, that's why I said this this original version. I mean, it's they're going to put it out, and then it's going to take them years to finally balance it and everything. But I wonder what super mega ultra happy fun time spend a thousand dollars in game to get this thing they're going to be introducing that outclasses everything next. Because they do like to do that, don't they? Well, then, well, then that's going to be the big thing is they do all these balance changes, and they finally get everything where they want it to be. And then six months down the road, we've had a few missions with mission rewards and maybe a new reputation, one or two other things. And then all of a sudden, those things are so overpowered and then it doesn't get noticed. And then a year later, 15 different things have come out and they've got to balance those again. And it is a never ending cycle. And then there's things in the game that are outdated and need to be updated because they don't match anything. I mean, look at the reputations themselves. Task Force Omega is the oldest reputation in the game, and it has three different sets, but you know it doesn't have a warp core, and it's the only reputation that does not have space weaponry of any kind that's geared either with technology that's from the people you're fighting or based on fighting that particular race better, because all the rest of them have that. You know, Rom you have Romulan plasmas in the uh Romulan reputation, you have refracting tetrions, that's a mix of what the Tholians would use versus fighting the Tholians with them, because you can refract your tetrion beams to hit other targets. The Borg don't have that, and yeah, we just use whatever to fight the Borg, but wouldn't it ni be nice to have, I don't know, adapted plasma where we have maybe a modified version of their plasma weaponry? That's, you know, that they could even go back and add to old reputations with a reason like, hey, you've gone through all this shit. Well, now the Borg have decided we're coming back. And because of this, we need to augment Task Force Omega so it's better. So we're adding in these things. And then that could add power creep because these new things are better. So yes, it's, that it's not gonna It's not going to be just right now. It's going to be ongoing, too. I completely agree. That's 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 true, Data Android. The, the Borg reputation did used to have a space version of the Borg anti-proton weapons. I, I, I don't know if they're in the reputation store anymore, mm -mm. but, uh, yeah, that's, that, that, that seems like one of those things where it's like, Hey, you changed it to a reputation. Where's, where's the Borg modifier on the, these weapons? Cause, cause I don't see any space things. Do you? Yeah. That's the thing. Like right now, I think it's just, um, ground weapons and you can get consumables and then you can get du uh, duty officers, bridge officers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. You can get anti-Borg ground weaponry. You can get some duty officers and you can get consumables and that's all that's in the store. And so, because they changed that one, and because of, of the way that they've changed one of the ground missions, too, you can yeah. no longer do the step into the assimilator thing to get the 
to get the achievement that gives you the assimilated bridge officer. So they've added it to the reputation store itself. Yeah, but it's one of those things that I don't see any dual beam banks or dual cannons or beam arrays or torpedoes or anything that's based on fighting the board specifically like all the other reputations have. And it would be a good way if they were to renew the threat for story purposes. Well, now we can add in a warp core that works with all three sets and you have a four piece set now, just like all the other reputations, you know? Well, and it, it could be the, something. Minus the Romulan set. Yeah, but it could, it could be something that's there. Um, eventually do that for the Nukara. Okay, well, we have a Nukara warp core now with a four piece set bonus. Um, so it's just, you know, little things that they could circle back to finally and then we add back to it. Because I wouldn't mind seeing the anti Borg, anti protons where you have the radiation dot and you're actually able to buy them in the store. And then See, you have they, a project for a, an advanced beam version of it. That'd be kind of cool. Well, see, they, they did – they gave us hope in the smallest dose possible uh, out of the Breen uh, uh, set because because we constantly come, keep coming back to the winter event and the Breen stuff that keeps coming out with the winter event. So they said, hey, you know what? You've got this Breen set from this this Breen arc with the preservers. Here, have a warp core and a singularity core that goes along with this set now, finally. Mm -hmm. And it's like, hmm, now, if only you could do that with, like, oh, I don't know, the actual reputation gear? Like a Romulan warp core and singularity core or a Borg warp core thingy. Like, if you want one, you have to tear off of the Tal Shiar ships. Or the the Nukara. one for the the Tholians. It's like, yeah. uh, you gave us hope a couple of years ago. Nothing's happening. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't. You know, you talked about wanting to circle back. I'm not. I'm not seeing a whole lot of the circling back. We had the we we had the one for the set that wasn't even a part of a reputation. Oh, and by the way. Hey, how many specialty part of a, a special event things exist of the secondary deflector? Yeah. Uh uh just 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 the one? Just the one? And 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 how how, how many how many how many science ships have you uh have you started doing on the uh hey, grind your ass off and get it quote unquote for free? Um I don't know about you, but uh, I'd kind of be thinking there's a need for a new specialty secondary deflector somewhere. But it's just it's just ideas. Since we are at this point, apparently we're very vulnerable because we fought all these different races. It could be a new Borg renewed threat kind of deal. But especially considering they have now assimilated the Undine. But it just goes it just goes back to the balance checks. Well, if they do do that, they do have all this rebalance, and then they, we revisit the Borg, and we get a new warp core. We get these anti-Borg weapons in space, and you know they add to it. Well, then those could be, you know, those could have unintended consequences. Well, that becomes the must-have for fighting Borg because they do god awful amounts of damage more than anything else. Then they've got to do a balance check on it. So, to circle back to what we were on um, in a long way. These balance changes are nice, 
as far as what they're trying to do, and we all see what they're trying to do. But then if they're not careful, give it a year or so when we could fall in the same pit where we have all this gear that's now overpowered. Well, now they've got to do another set of balance checks to bring those in. Oh, and by the way, let's bring up these other things we decreased last year to compensate for that. And then new gear comes out and the same thing happens. So we're going to have this this year, but then it's going to happen again as as time goes on. It's, it, it's only natural. So a year from now, Gravity Whale might be doing four times more damage, but a turret might be doing one damage output every time it fires. I mean, you just, you never know. So, uh, Timber, remember in the next generation, Hughes lopsided asymmetrical Borg shuttle ship thing? Yeah. I'm imagining that with a red, wearing a red hat going, make the Borg great again. Oh, God. <laughs> got nothing on that one <laughs> it's like you've got all the symmetrical ones behind it but it's the lopsided one wearing the red hat going make the board great again <sighs> <laughs> and and considering considering now that they know how to assimilate the undine they are actually a threat to the undine where they weren't kind of before yeah so, yeah, there, there, there is wholly the possibility of the Borg coming back a whole hell of a lot stronger after starting a war in fluidic space. Successfully. I think we killed Midnight. No, no, no. Um, I was just trying to search for something. Um, so, yeah, that's all the updates for Tribble. So, um, yeah. Okay. Well, last thing to be added to the PC is the breach event has now um, finished. So um, now we had sort of discussed whether or not the new version would actually stick around. It hasn't. Um, the new map has disappeared. And the old version has actually returned now. Wait, 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 wait. Which old version? The beginning first version or the quote-unquote updated version? The updated version of the old okay. map. Okay. So, um, so yeah, that's got all the guide arrows and everything else in it. But it's the old map where you've got to um, fight. fight through the two hangers. Yeah. Um, okay. which was kind of a shame because it was it was really enjoyable this new one I must admit I did very much prefer it um, but uh, it'll be interesting to see if they just bring that back as an event or whether or not it gets updated later on so I am seeing the queues like significantly dead for for the breach queue across the board it's like Oh, people are running it more out of a novelty than anything because they, I guess, they're expecting it to be the the old version. But I'm not like seeing hundreds and hundreds of people in the event queue. Like, I went to do in the map. Yeah, I signed up to do advance and elite for the breach, and expecting that to hopefully be the new one. Got in there, and yeah, people going, ah, oh, damn it, it's the old one. 
Um, damn, <laughs> really hate this version, especially after we got the new one. <laughs> so uh, it's just like, uh, but it's still. I do enjoy the old one, but not as much as the newer version. And mm -hmm. it's still a nice way to get the Lakari marks. And as I'm now getting for all the sort of space sets at the moment, and I've still got to get the ground sets, um, I'll probably still play it. Um, wait, wait, yeah, wait, wait, you can get Lucari marks out of this? Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, you've got a choice of um, marks that you can get, and in there in was including the Lucari marks. So. Uh, nah, that, that seems like a bug to me. No, that, the that breach just... has always been um, a choice of marks. The event, yes, but it's always been this choice of, hey, here's the Voth marks, or here's the fleet marks. They did extend the choice of marks on that um, a little while ago, right. though it did when include they, other they ones. they changed it for a breach event. No, I'm sure I they changed remember. it before then. Because I was really happy. It's just like, yay. Because, yeah, the Breach of um, Mission itself, I've always enjoyed. Um, so, but yeah, I'm, I've, well, I haven't gone into play today. Um, I went I'm in briefly to check the calendar. The pops, apparently. <laughs> well, I, I had to wait over 10 minutes because, as I said, I, I signed up for both Advance and Elite. I'm not sure which one actually popped in the end, to, to be honest. Um, and yeah, I had to wait around for 10 minutes. Um, I waited for enough people to finally get there. Fortunately, it's only a five-man uh, mission, so it became... Um, it was, I didn't have to wait around too long for it. Okay, I'm, I'm just going to say this now. You're, you're praising it for the fact that it's granting all marks... If this turns out to be a bug that they squash next week, it's your fault. <laughs> I usually get the blame anyway. Well, we can't all be moderators on the forums, right? <laughs> okay, so, um, yeah. Guess it's time to move on to console news for Star Trek Online. Star Trek Online Console News. Right, so events currently going on for console. We are still seeing the Temple Agent event going on. Not long for that to um, remaining. That finishes on April 4th, so you've got what, a week and a half. So, um, so yeah, um, not too long. And also the Breach event, that started later for console than it did for the PC. So that's actually going until the 7th of April. So you've got just under two weeks for that one. So... Um, at the moment, I haven't heard of any other events, um, but next week we'll update you if we hear of any more. Um, with the Temple Agent event that's currently going on, you're on week six for the weekly rewards. 
Unfortunately, temporal shenanigans. Yeah. They say a glitch in the time stream prevented last week's 50% bonus to energy credits and gold press latinum not to appear. Um, it will be appearing this week along with this week's reward of double the dilithium. Now, only temporal agents can contribute to these weekly goals, but all characters will reap the benefits they unlock. Now, week six is running from March 21st to March 28th, and the temporal agent task is to complete the queues and fleet actions. And that will provide server-wide bonus of extra marks. Of course, you've got the three tiers as usual. So, so yeah, during um, six weeks, um, completing these queues and actions will provide progress for server-wide bonuses. Also during this week, all characters will earn bonus to lithium based on progression earned in week five. So. And plus 50% energy credits and gold press latinum because of week four. Ah. So, uh, yeah, this week is a good week to get in there. Now, coming soon, um, I left this one out of the event calendar, um, season 12. So, Season 12 is coming to console, so that will be coming on April 18th. So this is a couple of weeks after the Temporal Agent event and the Breach. So um, yeah, you're going to get all the Zenkethi and um, Lucari stuff coming. Um, in our show notes there will be links to... Um, information about the starships and the consoles um, that will be appearing in-game when this gets released. Um, not going to start discussing it again because, of course, we've already done that when it came to being released for the PC. So, um, But, yeah, there is a nice blog when it comes to um, talking about the Zenkethi and the console. Um, so it's got about the different concept art and um, the different stages that they went through in order to get, um, especially for the ground um, enemies that you'll be fighting. And they also go through about doing the same sort of thing when it comes to um, the ship artwork as well. They're definitely worth a good read if you're interested in that sort of thing. As I said, links will be in the show notes. All right, combat log. Combat log. Timberwolf has had to uh, disappear because of some family things he's had to attend to. But he has been good to actually create a video of some of his um, testing on the Tribble server. So this is on PC, and this is him testing um, all the new space abilities. So he's created a video for a beamboat. So if you'd like to go and take a look at that, and you can start to see um, how sort of different changes are um, with regards to sort of at least using beams. Um, in the future, he's going to be doing some other videos, which will include using things like cannons, as well as some other things. So, 
um, as he releases those on his YouTube channel. Um, we will, of course, let you know and give links in our show notes. Alrighty, time to move on to Star Trek Timelines. Does no one here understand your incredible good fortune? Star Trek Timelines. Did someone say gay? You seem to find this all very amusing. So, Star Trek Timelines. This weekend we're currently on um, the event called Extinction Point. Um, this was actually delayed by a day. Um, they still had some testing because they weren't happy with things. So, um, yeah, that came out on the 22nd of March instead of the 21st. So this is currently a hybrid event. So phase one is faction event and phase two is the galaxy event. So phase one will have ended today, um, Saturday, the 25th. And then phase two will go until Monday, the 27th. It does allow squadrons and it does allow crew sharing for phase one only. The event crew... Which which, which is sad because you're the squad leader and you don't share your crew. And these events <laughs> go live. Like, what the hell? Now, the event crew that you get for this event, you've got Scientist Degra. He's an existing five-star legendary character. You've got Lass. He's a new four-star super rare character. Played by J.G. Hertzler. Indeed. And you've got Stranded Odo, which is another new character, which again is a four-star super rare. That was one of the better Quark Odo episodes. <laughs> uh, that was funny. So, it was it was one of those, I don't have any faith in Quark to get this stuff done. Oh, Quark saved us both. Man, I should really give him more credit for being a survivor than I thought. Well, okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> now, the traits that you get for Lars is Explorer, Changeling, Civilian, Prodigy, Hunter, and Survivalist. The traits for Stranded Odo are Changeling, Desperate, Bajoran, and Survivalist. Now, when it comes to the skills, if it's you've got them fully fused and at level 100, so basically they're immortalized, um, you'll find that Lars is exceptionally good at science and diplomacy. And for Odo, they, he is very good at command and also pretty good at security as well. So... They say, but these scientist Degra is where it at. Fully fused, the scientist Degra has over has over a thousand science and one thousand one hundred engineering. Yeah, so I, I didn't um, go into that one because yeah, that's an existing character. So, um, but yeah, he has got some good skills, and especially as he's a five star rather than a four star, you would expect that to be in the thousands. So, um. In this event, um, crew bonuses that will help you will be the traits Zindi, Changeling, and or Dominion. 
And the event faction is just for the Dominion shuttle events. Um, shuttle missions. So, thresholds, rewards, in order. You can get Keevan 3-star, which is an existing um, character. And then you will get Stranded Odo, which is the new 4-star. For the ranked rewards, in order, you can get Constable Odo, which is an existing 3-star. Then it will be Lars, which is the new 4-star. And then Scientist Degra, which is the existing 5-star. For your community rewards for Phase 2, you'll get, in order, Stranded Odo 4-star, which is the new character, which is obtained when it gets up to 300 million. Then if people get up to 600 million, um, people will be rewarded with the 4-star last. And if people get to 1,000 million, or 1 billion, um, that will be one 10-pack premium. Now, when they did this release, they also did a fix to Gauntlet. They, the fix was to Gauntlet Ties. Gauntlet Ties should no longer occur after this build. So um, there should always be a winner. Not that people are being dressed up with smart ties to go with whatever suit they're wearing. Now, there is also a blog post regarding a hotfix. Um, Dominion Seal Zero Star may now be obtained via the Dominion Faction missions. Um, so they said they've just pushed a hotfix to correct the issue regarding Dominion Seal Zero Star not being part of the Dominion Faction missions loot table. So not really sure what that is. I think that's one of the items you can obtain, which is a Dominion Seal. Um, yeah, it's basically a common rank zero seal that you need for some of the Dominion characters to advance them. And as far as I'm aware, the only mission that you can get them in is through the Dominion faction missions, except they're not part of the loot table. <laughs> Oops. Don't. Well, hopefully this fix has now sorted that. Now, one thing that happened yesterday, Friday 24th of March, was that Disruptor Beam had their first live stream for quite a while. So, Erin Prince, um, who is one of the product owners, um, went live for half an hour. They are now using Facebook Live. They are now no longer using Twitch. Now, they are looking to possibly do some more live streams, but whereas several months back they were doing once a week, it looks like they'll probably be doing one just before every new build. Now, if you do, we'll have the link in our show notes if you'd like to go watch the video. Warning, they did have tech issues. Um, they had the picture freezing. They had really sucky audio especially the first sort of half of it they did actually switch mics and remove the game playing on one of their devices which i think was the primary cause of um a lot of the what seemed a bit like feedback in a way but um so yeah if you do go to watch it as i said just be warned um data android said 
like their live stream are hilarious shaking camera extremely bad sounding <laughs> yeah but as someone who does podcasting i know how you can very easily get problems which in all your tests beforehand don't happen <laughs> um it's very easy to have these things go wrong so they discussed build 1.8 now we did mention about this last week now they said this will actually be released on monday 27th of march so just after the event finishes they will be releasing it now they said if you you play timelines via facebook you'll be the first to get it as it does take a little while for android and ios to filter around to say you've got an update time to install now, some of the things that are changing for 1.8, or adding, I should say. Favoriting of crew. Um, they've added a facility where you can click a little heart on your, the crew that you'd like to appear at the top of your list all the time. So if you're working to develop one of your characters and you don't want to keep finding them all the time, you can hit the little heart because they've revamped um, the crew quarters. So they've added new icons as well. So yeah, just hit the heart and then that person will appear at the top. Now, when you do that, um, this current version, they are, this is what they known as version one. And they're already working on improvements to this system for favoriting as well. Some of the plans for the newer versions are to make it that if you have favorited a character, you won't be able to dismiss them. That is the idea for some of the future updates. So if you favorite someone now in the update that will be coming this coming week, you can still delete them. So um, just bear that in mind. They have also said they're revamping the galaxy map. They said they're going to make it a lot easier to zoom into the place where you are. And in the future, they're also looking to add new social tools, um, which is one of the reasons why they did this revamp as well as making it look better. As I mentioned, crew quarters are being updated. Um, it's been updated to have the favorite icon. So as I said, that looks like a heart. So if you use Twitter, um, you'll know that they have the heart there for the like. So that's the same sort of thing. Um, they've also been making some other changes. Unfortunately, the tech issues they had, I didn't quite catch what they are. Now, I think that might be that when it comes to being able to build an item, it half sounded like they've made it that if you have all the items, you don't have to drill down and then create each item to go back up i think you can now just do it it's something they talked about looking to sort out a long time ago so i'm hoping that is what the case is because when you're trying to update your crew it is so frustrating having to go into each item you've got to go and either replicate or do when to do it if you especially if you've got all the items it just takes so long so i as i said i didn't quite hear what they'd mentioned um but it i really do hope that is the case um but yeah 
we will soon know. Now, one thing that a lot of people have wanted for a very long time is when you're getting stuff from, um, oh, what's it called? Um, the far right hand side, um, you can get it where you can buy the little packs. Um, Their store? The time portal? Time portal, thank you. When you go to the time portal and you get the selection of the sort of the four star and five star character sort of things that come from them. And he goes, behold, they have now updated that again. And this time it includes a lot more information about the characters you've got and who you already have in your list. So, because at the moment it does tell you how many of the characters you currently have. But of course you have no idea whether they're fully fused or anything like that. So you may think, oh, actually, that one's quite a high-level character. I still think I need one or two of them. You get them, and then you realize, no, damn it, I've already got them fully fused. I just have, still just got to level them up to 100. So it's going, no! So, um, yeah, hopefully when we get to see that, that'll give us all the information that we want. Now, after the release of 1.8... Um, there will be some extra changes coming this coming week. Um, on Tuesday the 28th, they are going to be changing some of the timings for the cadet challenges. So, whereas you'd have to wait for 10 minutes, they're reducing that down to 3. That's also the same for the PvP timer. And they're also changing the cryostasis. It was that you could... Um, get back just the one character per day without paying extra for it now it will be three per day um so um i think the cryostasis is also tuesday the way it was put being talked about i'm not sure whether the cryostasis change is part of the tuesday one or whether that's later on in the week um because i didn't watch it live i couldn't ask for clarity on that um, they have also said that later in the week they are increasing the crew slots by five for every player so yay uh, wish it was more and wish they'd add into the game ways that you can get more especially when you get sort of as we've talked about before legendary crew um, even if they just did that or whether every level you get an extra one or five um, Sort of, I think if they added that to the game, it's a reason for people to buy the packs to try and get to the legendary crew. It's a reason for people to level up as well because it gets them extra crew slots. And it's also a reason why a lot of people don't buy the packs because they just don't have the space and to get them is expensive. Now, they did talk about the next build, so um, likely in 1.9. They are talking about adding crew quarters sorting. So when you bring up your crew list, um, you'll be able to sort alphabetically. And they said there'll be other ways to sort it as well. So you never know, maybe by traits, um, species, maybe things like that. They didn't go into specifics, but they just said it won't just be alphabetically. Um, they are also looking for 1.9 to have a crew buyback um, facility 
Now, this is where you dismiss someone. Now, of course, they don't want people using it as an extra form of storage. So there'll be, of course, time limits. So if you delete someone, you won't have to go through the process of contacting support. You get them back. But of course, they're only the one star and everything else. So this will be you dismiss someone. You think, oh, crap, wrong person, which I have done a couple of times and it's too late. So that's looking to be in 1.9. Um, the way they're going, that's probably going to be out in the next couple of months. Um, they are talking about currently working on episode 8, which is, from the sounds of things, to be a Herogen story arc. And there may be a new ship that comes with it. And they're also talking about doing, for some of the events, um, some of the reruns, which include some of the expedition events as well. And they're still looking to do some new events in the future too. So if there's an old event that you liked and you wanted to get one of those characters, um, we should find them coming back um, at least probably sometime this year. Hooray! Yay! So, um, yeah, nice to be able to get that sort of information because they have been quite quiet um, over the last few months. Okay, well, that's it for Star Trek timeline news. So time to go on to conventions. Convention News So, conventions Now, we've mentioned this already in the show um, FCD for people in the UK or even Europe if you fancy a bit of a trip um, is this coming weekend so that's march 31st to april 2nd so there will be attending um we've got aaron eisenberg um who people will know as nog um from star trek deep space nine he also played um a character in Voyager, where he was a Kazon child. Um, you'll have Robert Picardo, um, who people will know as the Holographic Doctor um, through um, multiple series of Star Trek, as well he as Dr. Zimmerman. He was also a doctor in China Beach. <laughs> um, you'll also have J.G. Hertzler there, um, who most people will know as um, Chancellor um, Martok. Martok! <laughs> and, um, yeah, went blank for a moment there. So there's the Chancellor, and the only thing that was in your head was the bug eyed Gowron. <laughs> yeah. Um, you're like, no, uh, that's not right. <laughs> um, he also played um, Lars. He also played a Herogen in Voyager um, in um, the. I'd say Zinkethi, um to Nazi um, um, episode, which included um, The Rock. Um, also attending the event who aren't um, Star Trek people, you've got, got Claudia Christian um, from Babylon 5. Um, you've got Bruce Boxleiner. I know. Boxleiter. Thank you. A Boxleitner. 
um, again from Babylon 5, um, and he was also in Tron from Stargate Universe. You've got David Blue from Stargate Atlantis. You've got Rainbow Sun Franks and from British Empire and Star Trek Renegades. You've got John Carrigan. So um, they've got a nice lineup. They did have Jonathan Frakes, but as Jonathan Frakes tends to do with most of the conventions, he does end up cancelling because he gets work. So, um, which is completely understandable. And he's the director, guys. So, um, so yeah, it looks like to be a nice um, group of people. Um, I've already seen. Um, a couple of the um, guests um, tweeting that they're looking forward to being there. So, um, yeah, should be good. So I've just got a few more days at work before I um, get ready to go there myself. So, um, yeah, something to look forward to next week. So, um, now, advanced booking of tickets is over as of... Well, now, um, as we're live, um, I believe it's finished. It sort of tickets became unavailable an hour ago. Um, you can still get tickets for the standard weekend, I believe. Um, I think they're still available. And you can also pay for tickets on the door, I believe. Um, so, yeah. If you're nearby or would like to see those guests then come along and say hello um, just let me know that you're going and we'll look to say hi and have a chat while we're there so um, yeah it'll definitely something to look forward to I know my son's uh, looking forward to it because um, anyone who's listened to um, me before on the show you'll know that um last year we went along to their mini event because it got um a cease and desist from paramount and cbs and um it was my son's first convention even though it's for only a day he thoroughly enjoyed it so yeah he's been looking forward to going back so um so yeah it'll be a nice uh, family convention this year for me because um i'm dragging my wife along with me um, even though she's not a huge sci-fi fan. So, um, although, the, from the Big Bang um, theory, she always reminds me a bit of Penny because every now and then she'll say see something and say something and it's just like, I knew you've been listening to me all these years. <laughs> Your nerdiness is showing. Admit it! Admit it! <laughs> so... But yeah, it always makes me chuckle in the Big Bang Theory when she goes, how do I know that? Um, I was just like, I can't believe I know that. And so that is my wife. She's just like, oh, why do I know this? Uh, always makes me laugh. So, um, so yeah, I'm sure she'll enjoy it, but it'll be different for her because, um, yeah, she's not really done anything to do with conventions um, before. Although she's gone along to events to get sort of sign... Um, things signed in the past um, I know um, as a kid she went along to um, London to get a photo signed of the guy from due south um, who played the Mountie can't think of his name um, oh I have no clue what you're talking about <laughs> <laughs> I, I, 
Oh, there's a TV series called Due South. Um, it was sort of mid-late 90s. And okay. one of the guys in there was a Mountie. And um, he went to, I want to say Chicago. Because um, he was chasing the killer of his dad. It's been a very long time um, since I've uh, watched it. And he ends up staying in Chicago. And it went on for about four or five years. Um, just looking up his name. Ah, Paul Gross. Um, so he played Constable Benton Fraser. And um, yeah, my wife really liked him. So she went along and um, got something signed by him. I think that's the most she's done with regards to anything like what you see at a convention. So um yeah, I'll be interested to see what she makes of the convention. Um, yeah, definitely. I hope she enjoys it. Well, considering it's going to be one of those smaller, more personalized convention things, it may be something that she will enjoy going back to. I hope so. <laughs> um, plus, um, I did, because money has allowed, I have upgraded to... Um, one of the bigger packages, which includes the buffet meal on Friday night with the guest stars as well. So, uh, so um, yeah, it'd be nice to sort of talk to them. And I, I know can see it now, midnight, sharing a turkey leg with Aaron Eisenberg. I didn't realize we were this small. We're really this small compared to this thing. This thing is huge. <laughs> so, the thing is, is for me. If someone's famous and I talk to them because we have done that as podcasters, we've sort of talked to actors, producers, writers. Um, it's never really bothered me. Um, it's not been, oh, wow. It, I And that has always driven my wife crazy. She's just like, but they're famous. And it's just like, they're still just a person. Just I enjoy talking to them. And so... It'll be interesting to see sort of uh, um, how she reacts and whether she'll actually talk to them or just stay quiet. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I'm I'm looking forward to it. Um, so yeah, please, if you're heading out to um, FCD, then um, please let me know. Okay, um, I still haven't seen much in the way of news for Star Trek Las Vegas that is August 2nd to August 6th this year so that's Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday and Sunday and that's at the Rio Suites Hotel in Las Vegas um, thing is their site's never really the best when it comes to actually structure to show <laughs> what the news is and um, things like that um, yeah, you'd think someone, uh, some people who, are, who do all these conventions would know how to actually structure a website so you can actually see what is most recent news, at least. Um, but, um, yeah, if you do see that I've missed something that you think others would know, um, please let us know. But from last time I checked... Um, their site hasn't actually been updated since the beginning of February. And of course, if there is another convention, big or small, that you like going to, um, that 
you've got Star Trek actors or Star Trek related that you would like to get out to our listeners, then let us know and we will cover it in our convention section. Okay, so time to head over to the holodeck. Holodeck. Okay, so we discussed last week um, Alec Peters' new project, Industry Studios. Um, Not much we can really add to um, the news that we discussed last week. Um, They have raised almost $16,000 by 226 backers. So that's about 26% of um, their target of 60,000. Which Um, is not even their real target if you, like, read the information. Because, like, of the 60,000, Peters is moving the goalposts again and saying that their stretch goal of 100,000 is their actual main goal. Uh, No, it's not. If that's not what was in the oh, this is what we need to raise. You're moving the goalposts again, Mr. Peters. The thing oh. is, it's, a f- it's flexible funding, so they get it no matter how much they raise. So why he's trying to do stretch goals, I'm not too sure what's going on there. Um, and it's just like, once again, but just go with saying one thing and stop going back on it. Um, and of course, it's still listed as the first fan-funded movie studio film, um, which, well, we discussed last week. It's not. So, um, but, and I do know that people have actually complained to Indiegogo regarding this campaign um, due to the fact that he still has not actually, for his first Indiegogo, he has not actually provided what he promised um and to be honest yeah well he'd promised to do star trek axana for the first indiegogo which he hasn't and to be honest i was actually one of the people who has reported him because why is he doing another indiegogo in order to basically create a studio for him to do what he'd promised last time with not only the Indiegogo, but multiple Kickstarters. And he still hasn't done any of it. So, um, so yeah. Um, as I said, multiple people have complained to Indiegogo. Um, they, I got an acknowledgement back from them that they, it had been received and that they would look into it. But, of course, they won't discuss, like with most of these things, any actions they take, they won't actually say what they do but of course it's still up there so time will tell um if you strongly disagree with um how alec peters has dealt with not only this project but axanar and you can always do the same especially if you're a donor for the indiegogo campaign um as i was so that uh yeah it'll be interesting to see um He's still got um, 
I think is it two or three weeks left. So, so yeah, interesting to see whether or not more people will actually donate. But we will keep you updated. Uh, let's let's progress. let's be honest. I have to ask the question: How many how many of that two hundred and twenty six backers is the one dollar donation to put in their chat? Eh, fuck you. Because <laughs> uh, that's what it seems like a whole bunch of people are actually doing. Uh, I hadn't actually had a look at any of the backers lists. Uh, that that's funny if they're doing that. Well, <laughs> to me it is. So, I just I. Uh... It's like no. I, okay, cool. That's 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 humorous on some basic level, but you're still funding the asshole. Quit it. You're still rewarding him for his bad behavior. The only the only way you can like kill shit like this is by not donating to it. Sure, you may get a voice you know, one way or another for this promotion. Okay. Cool. If you're still a donator for the previous promotion, shouldn't you already have the privilege of being able to poke Indiegogo and hey, hey, what the fuck's up? This guy's doing another thing. One of the one dollar um, donators is actually Carlos, um, so that way he gets put in on all the communications for is that for keeping people up to date with Axel Monitor. <laughs> well, see that, see that, I understand. I understand somebody like John Finn Sitters over at Paramount putting in a dollar or having some somebody from CBS putting in a dollar so they have access to all the stuff that's going to be be spoken to donors only. I can understand that. But to like have people throwing a dollar or a fiver at at this thing just to say fuck you, it's like no. No, you're you're rewarding his bad behavior. Like these two people are doing it on a reporting basis and legal grounds, and you're just throwing you're you're throwing money at the guy to say screw you. <laughs> what? Well, I don't know if John Vances has done, but yeah, I'm sure probably somebody from CBS and that has actually done it. Um, but no, I haven't noticed any other one dollar things. But to be honest. Doing a dollar was something that I was thinking I might actually do, so I can keep an eye on what's going on. But uh, yeah, for the moment it's just like mm, no, <laughs> leave it for the moment. But yeah, it's just well, we'll soon see. But uh, yeah, people are still donating, and I still it's it's keep going back to the point that that everything plastered everywhere for industry studios is the first fan funded movie studio bullshit as pointed out by Examonitor that honor goes to Legion M whose backers share an equal stake in ownership of the studio that they built whereas industry studios donors and uh, uh, and future donors will own nothing and are basically just paying Peter's rent okay well, as I said, we will give updates. Um, I did hear from um, Kenny Smith regarding one of his projects, um, although I haven't had a chance to um, have a look at it. Um, so 
in the next week or two I should get a chance to and we'll report back on that um, when I have actually had a look myself. Hey, midnight. Yeah. What, what time is it where you are right now? Half past two in the morning. Has some kind of weird temporal anomaly occurred? I feel uh, like yeah. there's a temporal anomaly going on. Uh, yeah, it should, the clock should be going back half an hour ago. So it's half past one. So you've jumped an hour into the future? Yeah. No, no. I knew there were some temporal shenanigans going on somewhere. God, we're uh, going to have to deal with this next week, aren't we? Well, we're basically back to the normal time difference between the US and the UK. You are, you are in Europe. Next week, it's the Australians. Yeah, Alex goes, <laughs> the temporal anomaly occurred half an hour ago. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah. Um, which is strange, because my PC clock should have changed. I don't know. And don't don't start fiddling with its settings now. We're in the middle of a show. <laughs> Fix it after. <laughs> uh, just trying to think. No, because Eastern time, it's half nine. Mm-hmm. So no, it has gone forward. Yeah. So <laughs> it has. You, no. you so spring it, forward and fall back. So, yeah. So, yeah, because it, it should have been half one. That's right. So... <laughs> <laughs> you skipped a whole hour it went from midnight to 2am so right well I guess it's time to go on to our next segment so time for community feedback community feedback join with us share your thoughts Resistance is futile. Dancio. Yes, I'm having to open the thing. I was playing timelines. Shut up. <laughs> I have discovered the amazing wonders that is Warp 1. <laughs> uh, I prefer Warp 10. But, um... You bastard. <laughs> <laughs> you can do it ten times with one button. Yeah. The thing is, this week I haven't. I've gone back to not actually having time to play timelines that much. Um, I've recently started getting back into my Trek books, and I got completely hooked on Kirsten Byers' um, second Voyager book, um, Untrustworthy, or Trustworthy. I'm trying to think what the title's called now. Completely got hooked on that. Started it last Sunday, mm-hmm. and. Basically, I completed it in four days. And given my work schedule and everything else that I do, that's really good for me. <laughs> good God, you're a power reader. So, you're, not like, you're not like doing audiobooks either. You're just reading the thing. Yeah, I, I, I just couldn't put it down. I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. thing is, I'd been reading all these other books and I'd read the ones by Christine Golden. Um, for the Voyager ones, which I thoroughly enjoyed. Um, well, the first two anyway. I didn't read the second two. And I thought, well, as Star Trek Discovery is going to be um, partially written by Kirsten Bayer, I thought it'd be good to actually read some of the books. And yeah, thoroughly enjoyed them. Um, so 
Um, definitely worth a read if you haven't. So it starts off um, the series that she's written with Full Circle. So, um, yeah, definitely go read it if you have not already. Anyway, we were going to go into uh, community feedback. <laughs> yeah, thank you for giving me time to open the community feedback. So, <laughs> we asked two questions last week, and we got the show out early, too. Oh, my God. <laughs> we had uh, the show out on like a me. Sunday. <laughs> Yeah, I actually had time for a change <laughs> to Wait, get it done. Who, who the hell are you and what have you done with Midnight Shadow? I managed to find a way to get the transporter to clone me. So much easier. <laughs> Aha! That makes sense, but are you the good Midnight or the evil Midnight? <laughs> okay, so you're the good Midnight. Good. Okay. Midnight is the, the evil Midnight is still scheming and plotting in his secret room. So, last week we asked two community questions. Our first community question was, what do you think about the changes, uh, the changes to space in Star Trek Online that we've seen so far on the Tribble server? And discussed in the episode. Alex, you didn't write a novel. Thank you. <laughs> oh my god, I was shocked to see how short this was. <laughs> so Alex responded in the forums and said, see, the, the changes are a band-aid. Well, maybe a full-blown compression bandage to stop the bleeding. And that would be great if you were bleeding profusely. Unfortunately, the balancing problem is more like a brain tumor. You don't need a compression bandage. You need some very careful and, dare I say, delicate brain surgery. And Cryptic either can't or won't do that. The underlying problem is rather simple. Cryptic implemented a trinity. Look at Engineering's Miracle Worker. What does it do? Keeps you alive. Keeps you alive. What does the science's dampening field or scattering field do? It keeps the team alive. Or if subnucleonic beam was the better comparison, buff-debuff management as a staple of the support class. Deflector Overload looks like a damaging and healing cooldown. Okay, that is also a support. Now, look at the Tactical's Attack Pattern Alpha. What does it do? Rawr! Damage! I'm gonna burn your face! See, Cryptic implemented the Trinity, but then they decided not to enforce it. And that's the core of the issue. Not the only one, but I had too much on my plate the last few weeks to get that email done. <sighs> There are games out there that allow you to play any combination of roles in easy mode. But when you get to their version of Advanced and Elite, they enforce the Trinity. And they usually require pre-made groups for Elite, but whatever. As long as Tacticals can survive just fine, engineers and scientists have no chance of ever, quote-unquote, catching up. If they did their higher survivability would make them just plain better. If Cryptic did not want to enforce the Trinity, they should not have implemented it. They could have gotten creative, but they chose not to. All of these issues are self-made, and none of this is rocket science. Now fixing that mess, that might turn into rocket science, but that's true for all balancing attempts in any game out there. I don't Disagree. I have nothing to add. Or take away. So so our second community question was, what new features would you like to have introduced into Star Trek Timelines version 1.8? Principia commented from the Star Trek Timelines Discord server and said, 
more fixes than new stuff, as as is generally the case until all of the basic missions function correctly. Silverstorm from the same Discord server said, I, I don't want new features. I'd like the current game to play better and for things to be fixed instead of Disruptor Beam distracting people with new shinies. Adric replied from the same server and said, again, Disruptor Beam should stop trying to add new features and should instead focus on the proper quality of life update that actually addresses the issues that the community has been complaining about for months. Merwinian responded and said, can we please warp cadet missions already? I, I suppose Merwinian means the challenges. Um, yeah, at the moment you can't actually use any of the warps through any of them. Well, I mean, that, that you know, it makes it makes sense to not yeah. have it, but at the same time, for convenience sake for the player, I could understand them wanting it too. Yeah. It's like, if you're only getting six tokens a day, you know, okay. At least have warp one. <laughs> well, yeah, you can have warp one. That's okay. You know, you can use it six times. Fine. But at the same time, from a from the from a dev standpoint, I could look at it and go, we don't want them just instantly winning. But at the same time, you've created easy beginning ones that they can just kind of instantly win because you you have to. Otherwise, you're locking out people who can't access it in the first place unless they have level 100 characters across the board, period. So yeah, I can see both sides of that. But it looks like the general consensus is uh, spend time fixing stuff and less time introducing new things. It's nice that you have an idea for new things, but fix the things that are already there because they're kind of causing problems. <laughs> is there more? I hope it just helps if I actually push my uh, unmute button um, properly. <laughs> <laughs> say did i miss something in general feedback and you're furiously trying to copy it in somewhere because <laughs> because like i said alex didn't write like this this full-length novel he just had the one comment there's no general feedback from alex that both terrifies me and makes me sigh in relief <laughs> so um so yeah um yeah small amount of feedback uh this week so um yeah, always good for our throats. <laughs> but no, we do enjoy getting your feedback. So, um, yeah, for this week's show, question one. Do you think that the Anthony Rapp's comments from his Metro Weekly interview are just being sens sensationalized? Question two. If you've been testing the new space changes on Tribbles in Star Trek Online, how is your build holding up compared to Holodeck? And question three, what are your thoughts of the updated, um, of the updates coming to Star Trek Timelines that was mentioned in the Disruptor Beam live stream? And if you're coming to FCD, um, please let me know. You can, of course, get me on any of my social media channels or, of course, those of Tribbles and Ecstasy. So, talking about social media, you can get us on Twitter, Facebook, Google Plus, Star Trek Riser, Player.me at TribblesNXTC. You can get us via email at hosts at TribblesNXTC.com. If you'd actually like to leave us a voice message, 
then please do so at speakpipe.com forward slash tribbles and XTC. Or you can actually just go to any of the pages for Tribbles and XTC on holosuitemedia.com and you can actually use the little widget on the page. If you don't get a chance to download us all the time and you'd like to catch us in syndication, you can do so via trekradio.net and subspace-radio.net. You can catch us on their sites every Wednesday. You can also get us on iTunes, Google Play, and I'm trying to think what the other one, Stitcher Radio. <laughs> Always forget that one. So you can also get us there as well. And if you can, leave us some good reviews or even some bad ones. Um, as always, we always like to have any feedback. So, and and we'll 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 read it on air, even as if always. it is in, even if it is bad feedback, because <laughs> we've done that before. Indeed. So uh, <laughs> we're not, we're not selective. If you feedback to us, whether it's good, bad, or just plain ugly, then we will, of course, read it out. Well, no, uh, no, no, you can't say that. We are selective. We selectively decided not to not to read Alex's comments about timelines anymore. Okay, yeah. As fun that... as they are, we've just decided not to read them. Yeah, well, as Alex says, still not playing timelines for most of his responses. I don't think that's something we need to read out. <laughs> Sorry, Alex. Well, he did put in a he did put in an interesting one this week, something along the lines of, "I think there was a temporal anomaly in the community questions because there's only one community question because the second <laughs> community question was timelines." <laughs> Alex goes, "Well, I did tell you to skip that one." <laughs> Uh, I just wanted to be honest. We 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 did get selective about one thing, so we can't say we're not selective. Anyway, that's it for this week's show. So, um, quite a short one for us. Live, it's only been just over three hours. Yeah, it's a really short show. It's it's kind of nice <laughs> having a short show. It's like well, we moved to Sal we moved we moved to Saturday because it, it helped you and it's like, hey, you know what? We're actually going through stuff without spending a bajillion hours talking about everything. The funny thing is, is this week has been sort of in a way a no news week for most things, but yeah, we've still managed to go on for three hours. <laughs> uh you gotta love geeks, we can talk about these things hours on end. Well, it does, you know, it helps that we're 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 trekkies, and half of that conversation was social issues, and the other half was, "Hey, we're playing video games. Let's discuss mechanics." <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, thank you everyone for joining us, and I probably won't talk to you next week because I will be at FCD, but hopefully, um, the executive producer Zonda will be back to broadcast live uh, if that can't happen for whatever reason um, the rest of the crew should still be able to record an episode which I will get out um, should be by a week on Tuesday at the latest so until next week take care everyone
Thanks for tuning in to tonight's broadcast of Triples in Ecstasy, a production of Holosuite Media. Be sure to check Holosuite Media, iTunes, and Stitcher Satellite Radio for our remastered shows and more. You can follow us on Twitter at Tribbles in XTC, or if you have any questions or comments, please send an email to TribblesinExtasy at gmail.com. Join us next week for another episode of Tribbles in Ecstasy, the only place where Tribbles and Klingons are friends. Thank you.